Hey, honest question. Where's Robert Scapel? I don't know. I woke up in a strange hotel room, not the actual hotel I was supposed to be in. Got updates on the Redfield Expo. I tell you what, when you're doing good work, sometimes there are obstacles thrown in your way. I got updates on that as the entire air conditioning unit of the of the uh, the place we're supposed to have the event shut down and they're focusing. It's like triaging the Starship Enterprise. Life support systems, minimal. Put them all in one area or shields or whatever. We'll talk about that. But I'm very excited to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, thanks to G. Edward Griffin. We got a great two-day event coming up tomorrow. But today, we got to go live. Well, we want to go live. I want to go live. We got some great things to discuss, including, I do. I hate mentioning this guy's name, Paul Offit. But apparently he did something that Super Don wants to praise. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give Super Don some leeway here. He's a he's a granddad again. Little baby Autumn is there making him happy. So we're gonna do that. Uh, Dr. Michael Uphughes returns to the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're gonna talk about some updates on uh, protocols and strategies dealing with what the whatever you call this thing at this point. It, cl- it seems to be clearly a disaster of uh, epic injectable proportions. Uh, when will we see past that? Get beyond that. Also, hour two, I'm going to go dive more into copper, which is what I'm here to do as well. Jason Hommel's got a new book on copper, more uh, support for what I've been saying about how copper deficiency is manifesting in almost all the myriad of identical ways that COVID does. So we cannot overlook mineral deficiencies as we move through life. And in fact, if we do, to our detriment, we will go to doctors who say we are deficient in drugs for which we have no deficiency. Anyway, there's how we start the show today. Welcome. Share the show uh, they're still blocking us on Facebook Live. No surprise. Come on over to robertscabell.com slash listen. Join us in the chat room and let's uh, bring that power to heal back where it belongs with each and every one of you right about now. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Well, as you can see, if you're live with us, we are in, or I am in, a strange hotel room, a remote studio for the Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm uh, heading into the Red Pill Expo, thanks to G. Edward Griffin. This weekend, the 9th of July, we're here. Uh, there's all kinds of things happening behind the scenes. I can reveal some of it. Uh, the craziness that occurs when you, I'm, I'm sure you've never had this happen to you, where you're you're doing something you think is it's really important. It's just earth shattering in a good way, uh, breaking new, and and yet the world seemingly, the universe seemingly tries to conspire, if not to stop it, to make it more difficult. I mean, how much do you really want this thing to happen? And so, you know, I show up in the middle of the night uh, after flying cross country and uh, the, the, the van that picks me up to take me to the hotel takes me to the, I think the wrong hotel. I'm like, what is going on here? I get in and apparently the other hotel, the host hotel, the ACs units are completely out. And uh, so they've transitioned people over up a couple of blocks away. And I've been told that all of the AC focus is, is going to be on the actual event itself and the surrounding area, but we might not be staying at the hotel. So those of you who come into the red pill expo, it's full steam ahead, green light go again. They're just like set phasers to stun. What do you, what do you say at this point? Super Don, your grandpa again, how are you doing? My brother, uh, a little autumn came into this world. What a couple of days ago now, two days old. Uh, yeah. This would be day number two. And All right, Autumn I got pictures, pictures. Autumn, I have one picture for you. This is uh, the okay. picture my daughter took right before they uh, <laughs> hit the road. They finally are heading home oh, right. after being in the hospital for a couple days after 15 yeah. hours of labor. Mom is doing good. I got to see her yesterday, last night. Okay. And um, that's Autumn in her first yeah. outfit heading home. <laughs> 
Very cute. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I, I love the fact that, again, I've said this, the Naylor family, extended family, is doing its part to fight depopulation. <laughs> with the georgia guidestones falling and the nailers taking over the world good job uh Don, you you've done well with the kids and now yes, grandkids sir. so um look every everything's going despite these behind the scenes obstacles uh we're all full steam ahead for the red pill expo uh i open it up tomorrow morning uh eight o'clock eastern time or so i hope that you can catch the live stream the links are up at redpillexpo.org or wherever or you can come to robertscatbell.com upcoming events but I kind of teased that I was I was giving you some leeway because I don't like to mention Paul Offit's name. He's not as bad as Voldemort, but well, he's he's up there. You know, you know, we haven't talked. We don't talk about him much anymore. No, we, we, don't. we, you know, he had a lot more to say back in the day, like during like the measles situation and stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah so you know, when he shows up, I pay attention, and um, yeah, you know, this is a unique situation because well, I'll, we'll just we'll just go right into it. Check out uh, the headline here. It yeah. reads, Paul Offit, Cole. It's, a, it's a, at the Defender. This is where we're pulling it up. Megan Redshaw wrote this article. He says, it felt like the fix was in before FDA panel voted to reformulate COVID booster shots. And you were saying that it was an oh man moment, right? We used to have a, a sound oh, effect. Man. Oh man. Yeah. That? Sorry, I don't have it going ready. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's almost, right. we could almost do a segment like this. It's the all man segment because. Uh, Apparently, Offit did a interview with uh, somebody we, we know. We've talked about before. Z Dog MD. Yeah. He has quite a, a presence on the uh, on the internet and has a great YouTube channel. Um, I I loved Z Dog MD way back in the day when he first got started. I just happened to stumble across his channel because he was doing like these uh, these parody music videos. Uh, about like health stuff, and it wasn't until after a little while I realized that he was he was he was not a fan of uh, people who opposed vaccines, and he was you know kind of uh, kind of a his attitude back then really kind of sucked. He was kind of a jerk. Yeah. He's mellowed over time now, and he actually entertains other ideas, and he's very much you know neutral and likes to have people have conversations versus just being a total jerk. Right. But he did this interview with. Uh, Paul Offit, yeah. and Paul Offit had some interesting things to say that I was not expecting. Yeah, he says I've seen nothing like this. I guess the thing that's most upsetting to me is normally when you get something from the FDA when we have these meetings, you usually get it a few days before you meet. Usually get a couple hundred pages. Here, on the other hand, and this is in reference to the the the, the preordained uh, result of promoting boosters, if you will, to younger and younger ages as well. Here, on the other hand, normally you get the EUA emergency use authorization submission from the company, which is 85 to 100 pages long. Then you get the FDA's review of all those data. It's very thorough review. Not here, though. Here, it was 22 pages from the FDA, which included a half page of Pfizer's data and a half page on Moderna's data. So are we coming to the point where off it, even for off it, this is beyond the pale, which says a lot? Because my question to off it is like, where have you been? For decades and decades and decades where the information is available to you and these committees to look at the genuine dangers and risks and corruption of the science etc conflicts of interest beyond belief and now suddenly now suddenly you call it out and go oh uh, I'm, I'm shocked i'm shocked I, i'm like i have a hard time super don giving this guy street cred at this point other than he's either uh, willing to now eat his own or he doesn't want to be eaten by his own 
if you if you know what I'm saying. This is getting so bad that even the most vocal sycophant of the vaccine industrial complex is now going, whoa, wait a minute here. Does he see the writing on the wall? Is he trying to say, hey, I'm not one of the bad guys now? Is that what you think is happening here? Um, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that he's he suddenly jumped ship. But I, I, I got to get, listen, I, yes. if you won't, I am going to give him a little bit of credit because he, listen, pull off it. You know what I mean? What is he, like Like number two to, to uh, like Fauci or something like that in the, in the, uh, the pro-vaccine uh, hierarchy? Uh, you know, when Offit comes out and starts going, you know, uh, this looks like a little corrupt to me. Uh, you know, so I, I think they're they're not, uh, you know, do, following the the science here. Then you you know you've jumped the shark when Offit is starting to talk. You know, it's kind of like Bill Maher talking about liberals. You know, it's it's like whoa, what's going on here? He's recognizing the fact that that something's fishy there. So I, I realize the guy has got a, a, a sordid history, and it's hard to say anything nice about the guy, but. This, I think, is significant because I think people may be looking at this and going, wait a minute, Paul Offit's saying this? Well, maybe I should, should look at this critically as well. All right. If, if it takes that, it takes that. Okay. But I'm, I'm just not with you in this. I think he's trying to save his hide because he sees the writing on the wall where this is going. Let's go maybe, to uh, maybe. returning guest, Dr. Michael Uphughes here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, America's Frontline Doctors. We're going to talk with him about a lot of things, but maybe get your insight, Dr. Uphughes. What's your thought about Offit's perspective changing here for the first time. Well, I will say that uh, thanks a lot for having me back on, by the way. It's great to be back. You guys are awesome. Um, you know, for once, it seems like Offit is on it, you know, but uh, it, uh, <laughs> it, it took, you know, something this drastic to happen. Look, I'm not, I'm not a fan of his. I never have been. Um, I, and I, I agree with you. I think he did see the writing on the wall. Um, we all, you know, we all know that uh, the poison death shots uh, have caused more harm than good. Um, matter of fact, I'm back uh, back in Chicago taking care of uh, my own mother, who uh, triple jabbed and now has cancer, uh, uh, as could be predicted. So, you know, and we're seeing more and more. Let's talk to Dr. Ryan Cole about this. And, of course, he's seeing more and more of these cancers go on. You know, we're also seeing a lot of immune imprinting, which you probably have heard of, which is also called antigenic sin. So for people that don't know what that is, the reason we're seeing such damage in, in terms of immune imprinting, what happens is they keep getting reinjected with these boosters that were for the original China strain, right? The China spike protein, the Wuhan spike protein, whatever you want to call it, for the alpha strain. When you keep reinjecting people with the same thing, what it does is it starts to weaken the nonspecific antibodies. And those antibodies are not able, able <clears throat> to get a configurational lock onto the antigen. Yet, so they're basically deemed ineffective. The macrophages are also taking up the spike, and the spike is basically just destroying the macrophages, also decreasing T cell function. So it's like a triple and you know, a quadruple whammy going on here. You know, it also suppresses the P53 suppressor gene, which tamps down malignant cells and keeps tumors at bay. So when you lift that suppression, what happens? It's like a wildfire of cancers. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Dr. Uphuse, all of the normal immune uh, responses that are uh, designed by some someone far more intelligent than Offit and, and, and Fauci or anybody within the allopathic training and teaching facilities, uh, it, it really, the reality is, as you've seen and many other physicians we've interviewed here, 
is a disabling of uh, the normal immune response. So wherever people started, it's only getting worse. There's not an enhancement other than what we've heard about of antibody dependent enhancement or pathogenic Correct. priming potentially, which would create perhaps a deadly immune response in people that just don't have any energy left in them. So in either direction, it's, it, there's nothing but disaster written all over this. And yet they're still pursuing it. As I said, this is why I suspect that Offit is now seeing the writing on the wall. He's just going to try and distance himself subtly from something that he's been a part of that machinery. He's kind of pretended didn't exist in terms of rubber stamping all of these shots all over these years. Right. And you know, when you're seeing, you know, all the deaths and, you know, the professional athletes, soccer players, football players, everybody's hearing about this. They're also hearing about sudden adult death syndrome now. Very, you know, akin to sudden infant death syndrome. That should be a, you know, a red flag for people. But when have we actually seen this number of adults just teeling over, dropping dead? Another example, um, my colleague who was actually working in my Billings clinic um, in Billings, Montana, helping me out. Uh, he was also working for a home health organization three days a week. So last summer, summer 2021, he received the first two Pfizer jabs. Four weeks ago, he received his booster. Three weeks ago, they found him dead in his apartment. Healthy 54-year-old male going to the gym four days a week, working five days a week. And his brother called me up because they wanted to invite him to, to the services. And uh, I said, well, what did the autopsy show? Well, we didn't have one. We had him cremated. It was natural causes. Natural causes. This was a man going to the gym four days a week, working five days a week, perfectly healthy doctor, now gone shortly after the uh, booster. So we know exactly what's at play here. I've seen references to young athletes in their 20s even uh, suddenly dying, and they attribute it to, as you just described it, natural causes. And I'm thinking – in the years as, as a homeopath, much like your years as, as a physician, doctor, when have we seen this drop dead in, in the prime of your life being called a natural cause death? And then we ask the question about sudden adult, adult death syndrome, which we'd never heard of before. It's made up and say, how is it possible that this is something that we've never seen before? And then the answer comes, well, we're better at diagnosing it. Robert, that comes up too is the the headline that really caught my attention was doctors baffled by sudden increase in sudden adult death baffled. I'm like, doctors stupid. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, I think that's the point. Is not it's not doctors in general, but it's the stupid ones that, or uh, those that are on the payroll in some way, shape, or form that are selling their soul to to Satan at this point. A lack of a better way to say it, because it's right there for anybody and everybody to see, and that's why I'm seeing uh, the peeling off of the support from the public, but also from the medical and nursing community. We've been witnessing that day by day, week by week, month by month, and uh, to get away with uh, calling it SADS, even. You know, look, Doc, all the all the SIDS deaths over the years that I have attributed and many of my colleagues have attributed to vaccines as well prior to the mRNA shots, the previous version, that has also been baffling doctors. So it's not new. It's just become so overt and in your face that it's embarrassing is an understatement at this point if somebody claims to be baffled. You're right. And then, you know, and then and then for uh, for the FDA then to say, um, since all this, all these uh, adults are having these uh, difficulties, problems, dying, side effects, 
uh, why don't we just make it available then to six months to five-year-old? That sounds like a great idea. It's just, it's stunning to me. This whole thing has been stunning. I yeah. talked to Dr. Pierre Corey this morning. He said, it feels like we're living in a movie. And he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- this is the kind of uh, sur- surrealism parading as reality, yet it's adopted as reality, partly because, you know, we, ha- we have to go back to the consciousness of worshiping authority or and or authoritarians. And how even doctors have fallen prey to that through their education being you know, almost like a, a, I don't know if it's a Stockholm syndrome, Helsinki syndrome scenario. It's like we've been captured or we're captive. Right. And then rather than rebelling against it, we begin to sympathize and defend our, our you know, those who have in, in, in captured us into a, a viewpoint or a belief system, partly because what it would mean if we woke up and said, my gosh, I have been doing this and it's all wrong all of these years. There's a lot that, that you know, could work against a doctor's willingness to come out and say, I, I'm not the expert in this realm. In fact, I've got to go back and relearn everything I thought I knew. Right. Right. And that's, uh, you know, it takes humility to do that. But, you know, when you embark on a career in medicine, as you know, you are embarking upon, upon a lifelong learning process. You can never know it all. And you may have to change midstream and completely turn it on its head, whatever you have learned in the past. I'll tell you, you bring that up. Dr. McCullough, I talked to him this morning, too, Peter McCullough, great yeah. guy. Um, he's now reading Desmet's. I didn't know it was put into English translation, but Desmet's Psychology of Total- Totalitarianism. Everybody should get a copy of that, he said, because what I'm reading, he said, it's being played out right now. So yeah. very interesting read. But that was a recommendation this morning by my friend, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough. Well, and this was the thing that the docs like McCullough, who I really respect and love, appreciate so much because he's just a kind hearted man and he's really making up for things he didn't know. And he's come with full force integrity in everything, knowing what he knows, not knowing what he, and, and just saying, let's get together, let's learn and teach. And, and I love the collegiality that's emerged from this. These are the good things that are happening. So it's not all a disaster and a tragedy. It certainly is for those who have lost their lives or like your mother now suffering with, you know, cancer uh, due to the jabs, suppressing the immune response as well. Um, yes, we acknowledge we're going to lose people. We have lost people, loved ones and friends. At the same time, history moves through these things and we look back and we say the greatest tragedies in history have allowed for the most extraordinary next steps or leaps and that's not me endorsing the disasters we're witnessing i'd like to see us work through them faster with a lot less casualties but we don't have or a lot fewer casualties we don't have control over everybody but your willingness as well, Dr. Upuse, to speak out on this is also very helpful. And uh, I'm greatly appreciative of, you know, you coming on the show, talking about these things very candidly. I appreciate it. You know, I talked to Dr. McCall this morning because, of course, uh, we talked earlier, um, we were talking behind the scenes earlier about now we're starting, now we saw a couple cases in Ghana, I think, this morning of Marburg. Okay. okay? So now now we're going to start this narrative. So we just want people to know the your viewers, listeners to all know, we're already on it. We're already on it. Talk to Dr. McCullough, Dr. Perry, uh, Pierre, Corey this morning. You know, we're already looking at things like protease inhibitors, kinase like three inhibitors, anything that's going to inhibit the virus from replicating. And yeah. you, you watched on the road, some of the same therapeutics that we have been recommending, even for COVID, since it's a single-stranded RNA virus. Marburg is a single-stranded RNA virus. Okay, Mm -hmm. so some of the therapeutics that we have been using, you'll likely be seeing us use them again. Now, the difference in this case, of course, now you're dealing with a hemorrhagic fever, not a clotting problem. Mm -hmm. In COVID, it was a clotting problem. Now you got the opposite problem here with hemorrhaging. So now we're going to have to find ways to deal with that. And we'll find them. We'll find them. And we'll go to guys like you as well. 
because there's so much input from people that really want to do good in this world, they're not going to defeat us no matter what they throw at us. And we understand they probably got about 17 pathogens in the pipeline here. I don't care what they throw at us. Monkeypox, that's almost laughable, only because if you've been immunized against smallpox, which up to 1976 we had been, you also have T-pox, which is already a drug that's used to treat it. Um, and just stop, how about just stop promiscuous activity? They keep talking about, well, where do we have the vaccine? You know, we've got millions of doses of monkeypox vaccine. How about stop being promiscuous and just stop doing those activities? And you know what? It'll go away. Well, and, and one of the things you mentioned about, uh, you know, being defeated, the only way we could be defeated is if we st- stop talking to one another like we haven't been for, I will say this, decades and decades and decades. We were isolated in our groups. The physicians were isolated in physician groups. The renegade homeopaths were over here. We wanted to talk to anybody who talked to us, but we were like outcasts, right? Because of the, what happened after the Flexner Report of 1910. And now, as you point out, we are exchanging information. We are looking and seeking, hey, what do you know about this? What is your experience in this field to address this? For instance, you know, Marburg or smallpox, which we've had great success in homeopathy. And even from a mineral perspective, if we want to kind of mirror the the the, uh, the material perspective of medicine versus just the metabolic or energetic aspects, selenium is known to be the single most profound mineral in terms of stopping viral replication in, tar- in terms of, uh, for instance, um, Ebola, you know, in Africa, which is similar to the Marburg and hemorrhagic type scenarios. And then we look at the other minerals that we're deficient in and say any of these minerals in deficiency would make us more vulnerable to the manifestations of the so-called viral outbreaks that some don't seem to be affected by at all. Is it the germ or is it the weakness of the individual that's in interacting with it? And so we shore up the terrain. And then even in the midst of these so-called outbreaks, we're mildly impacted or even some not at all. And that's, again, lost to this whole fear porn of, oh, my gosh, look what's coming. And we've got to look and attack and kill and stop and say, wait, how about we strengthen the resolve of every individual and their immune system and find out that that is not as powerful and deadly as we thought it was? Absolutely. Absolutely. We just want to you know, let people know that that we're already being proactive. And as you say, keep strengthening the immune system, get outside, get sunshine, keep exercising, keep the body weight down, keep your sugars under control, eat well. These are all things you should be doing anyway. But it just it strengthens our resolve to do the simple things that you're you know, you had just brought up also you know, the copper deficiencies you bring in. Yes. One thing we have to take a look at now, because for the last two years, we've all been hammering home zinc, zinc, zinc. Well, the downside is zinc. you start to getting too much of it, as we know, you start getting a copper deficiency. So people should be watching that and replenishing with some copper, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, I'm actually traveling with my sovereign there copper. Too. <laughs> there it is. So, and, and, you know, the thing is, that's one of the keys I keep bring it up. And I brought it up with McCullough as well when I spoke with him at an event. And I know Peter is so hungry to learn about all these things. He's like, please talk about all these things, right? Not just that. But as you point out, there are certain key deficiencies that if we can shore up immediately, we can see an immediate benefit, immediate strengthening. Because um, you know, we know people aren't eating copper-rich foods. How many people in this audience even eat liver once a week, if once a month or once a year? Right. These were standard foods that contain a lot of copper, for instance, that are lost uh, in addition to soil depletion issues. So we, we have to bring up these key deficiencies. Are you one of the few physicians who talk in about the importance of selenium? I don't think that can be emphasized enough. And in fact, I'm going to start bringing that up now. Okay, We've got meetings tomorrow. 
um, Zoom meetings online regarding Marburg and other things coming up. I'm going to talk about selenium and have people start doing a deeper dive into that because, again, that's something when you go to medical school, is it even mentioned? Maybe. Usually not, though. And if it is, they warn you, oh, don't take too much. Selenotoxicity, oh my gosh. It's like, forget all the drug toxicity. Selenium is really what we're going toward. Now, this gets to some discussions about the forms or speciation of metals and minerals. In other words, how is it brought into the body? If we think that we can supplement sodium selenite, which is almost like a rock form of it, and facilitate full utilization without unnecessary bioaccumulation of a form that's not used. These are the distinctions that are often lost in discussion when we say, oh, selenium is toxic. Well, there are forms that you take to excess that could be problematic. But if we look to the forms that are more in line with how we get or even grown into a food uh, kind of form, we can take quantities that frighten the average physician. For instance, you know, over the years of working with people with even cancer, especially cancer, I will say I would have them on a thousand to twelve hundred micrograms of selenium and Sometimes doctors will freak if I say I'm on 300 a day micrograms, right? And I've never once run into selenotoxicity in even one patient, and this is decades of this now, because of the form is appropriate, utilizable, and not an appropriate, uh, inappropriate form that the body going, I'm not sure how to, I know I need, I can't, you know, it's just so basic, but it's so overlooked so that we dismiss the discussion of selenium because we're more worried about its toxicity, which will resolve if you stop taking it very quickly. So that's another aspect of the discussion I love having. It is. It's interesting you brought up. You know, I was at an A4M conference recently, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and we were talking magnesium. That came up. And then the discussion became, well, what is the best type for migraine headache? Well, then you find out magnesium glycinate crosses the blood-brain barrier more efficiently than some of the other forms. Seems to work very well in getting a relaxing sleep easing a migraine. What if you have muscle aches? Magnesium malate. What if you have cardiac problems? Magnesium taurate. That seems to work better in people with heart problems. So you're exactly right. It's also the form, not just taking it, but the form of it. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad that you're engaged in that. Like I said, any anytime, Dr. Hughes, if you, if you need me to engage and discuss this with the groups that you're meeting with, I'm here for you. I mean, obviously, we're up trying to broadcast to the world two hours a day, six days a week to get these messages out. But you guys and gals working together uh, are doing such great work. I just, there's always something that we're missing. And and that's why talking and bringing more information and voices and, and you know, somebody's going to run with it and come back with even more information that will benefit that I don't even know yet. And that's, to me, that's exciting from just the, the general scientific uh, curiosity about everything that I have, but also, again, the clinical application. The bottom line is, what's the outcome? Right. We can talk theoretical about any number of these things, but who's got the track record? Let's talk to them and say this is what's succeeding, just as we found in the last couple of years with COVID. Who is actually succeeding? What were they doing? And then these evolving protocols emerged, even if they were in the flying in the face of of Fauci and CDC and, and WHO. Yet these were the people who were succeeding, who I was more intrigued and interested in listening. The rest of the garbage that was coming from the, the, the authoritarians. I knew was going to kill people. And of course, that's what we're seeing now. Absolutely. And, you know, we're worried about what we're going to see with with what's been given worldwide. This next two years could just be absolutely brutal in what we see in terms of a, of a not only just disability, but die off as well. When you get a, you know, the insurance companies were the one that elucidated a lot of these numbers, but a 40 percent increase in all cause mortality in one year. And again, people baffled by that pretty plain to see what the reason is. It's not baffling at all. 
Yeah. So what as far as, uh, uh, you know, if we're looking and you brought this up earlier about the continued pushing of boosters that are addressing the so-called original strain. And I'm like, that alone should be enough to stop people in their tracks. If you're a physician or scientist going, what are we doing? Yet they're still doing it. And as even off it now says the the boosters for younger kids or the shots for younger kids. What's why? Why? And, you know, and they're talking about, um, well, one, you know, one other option. Now they're going to develop maybe a bivalent strain. So you've got the original alpha and then maybe the Omicron BA1. Okay. Omicron BA1 is gone. Yeah. It's gone. And by the time they would even be able to get us a BA4 and 5, those will be gone. Mm-hmm. So the take home should be early treatment is the way to get through this. It's You're not going to vaccinate your way out of this. In fact, all you're doing is killing off a population and making people sicker. Yeah. By continuing to vaccinate, well, and, and you know, of course, stop it. they need to ban the poison death shot. Period. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, if they're not going to do it, we need to wake up and mature enough to see through authoritarian agendas that are not rooted in any sound science or uh, you know valid outcomes that you would want, if you will, for your patient population. Much less if you are a patient to say, "I don't want that. I see what's happening now. I'm not participating." And I think ultimately we have to be there because the the people in authority and power are so corrupt and compromised that by the time they come around like off it going, oh, well, that was a little ridiculous. It's like, well, off it's been involved in this for decades. You can't tell me he's got plausible deniability about it. Now he's going, I see the writing on the wall. So we know they're not going to last forever. And it's going to get very ugly when people wake up and realize how deceived they were and are and their trust in these uh, institutions crumble even further the question is, does it is it result in pitchforks or do people not have the energy to even respond at all? And uh, we just watch, you know, generations die at this point. Robert, when you look at, uh, God, I think it was, yeah, it was January, mid-January, around the 12th, 2021. That's when Tess Laurie, the, the researcher over in the UK, was talking to Dr. Andrew Hill, okay, mm-hmm. who um, was working primarily for Unitaid who around that same time gave a $40 million grant to the organization for which he was working, University of Time. So Andrew Hill, even though he went through all of Pierre Corey's literature, and it looked like there was a 75% knockout in mortality from taking ivermectin, his recommendation at the bottom is more studies need to be done. And that's when Tess Lowry lost it and said to him, like, what's going on here? Yeah, you know, and you probably remember this. And and he said, well, you know, I work for Unitaid. Okay, so who at Unitaid is telling you to suppress this information? He wouldn't answer the question. But here's what we found out. Who are the number one contributors to Unitaid? Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, France and the UK. Those are the three top. Like it or not, these are the facts. Coincidence? I don't think so. No. But it's so corrupt. It just shows to the length, though, a man will go to let millions of people die, millions. And he knows it's happening and knows why it's happening. And it's okay with him because you're bought. You're bought and sold for it. Yeah. Well, I think this is uh, the term maturity or maturation on a lot of levels for us as humans here. Recognizing that we have placed uh, powers in false authorities that may know stuff about stuff. But then again, to grant them this ability, you know, kind of a universal ability to direct us to limit our freedom to know about other things that they're not approving of or they don't know themselves or they're prevented from knowing or they prevent others from knowing. 
uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, the inevitable decline of the defense of life through the for the medical arts, so to speak, in this point, because it is and this is not new, as I've talked about in the peer reviewed medical journals, acknowledging that what doctors write prescriptions for result as a third leading cause of death annually in the West, in the United States, especially. But that's not new. But yet it seems to kind of there's cognitive dissonance about that or just an inability to grasp what that means as we see one or two deaths from Marburg, perhaps, or one or two cases of monkeypox, and suddenly the whole world has to shut down. What about hundreds of thousands of deaths due to FDA-approved pharmaceutical drugs? Well, that doesn't matter at all. So you say, what legitimacy do these organizations have telling us we should be in a panic and we should shut down, lock down, take something that they're promoting and profiting off of, while they ignore the deaths that supersede the numbers that we're seeing, even I believe in COVID, of direct interventions resulting in deaths, as opposed to the you know the good works of doctors such as yourself that are calling calling them out and doing different, doing better, honoring the Hippocratic Oath in some way, shape or form, unlike the abandonment of it by much of the profession. Right. And as are you. And, you know, unlike, you know, our, our friend, uh, Dr. Mengele Fauci, uh, when he said, you know, I am science, I will say this one, the silver lining during this crazy time is something you pointed out earlier. First of all, I, how would I ever have known you? Would have known you. Would have known Ryan Cole. Would have known Pierre Corey, McCullough. All of us were brought together eventually, but the beauty of the whole thing, we're all going back to integrative science. And you know, it's something, you know, you, know, you, you do your uh, degree in biology, biochemistry, whatever you graduate in, for, in your pre-med years, and you kind of forget about that. And you just get out with the practice of medicine and do it and pharmaceutical co companies come in and have lunches for you and then you prescribe. All of a sudden, this has brought us back to, you know what? Let's take a step back here. Let's go back to science, not Fauci science. Let's get back to real science here. And it's guys like you bringing it to the table, guys like Ryan Cole bringing immunology, saying, hey, guys, remember Immuno 101? Well, I'm going to talk Immuno 404. We're taking a deep dive now. And it's, it's been refreshing. It really yeah. has because we forgot what actually got us into medicine in the first place. And it was our love for science, really. It was. And, of course, you want to take care of people. But we love the science and that's what we've come back we've come back to taking care of people and we've all come together as good people with one cause and that's to save humanity basically well save all those who are willing to be saved at this point because we can't um, you know beat out the, the the consciousness that believes still in fauci and and those uh, uh, injectable uh, you know uh, toxic poisons that alter dna protein synthesis etc and and for those of you who aren't scientists or doctors out there this is not a diminishment. In fact, you have probably been more scientific, especially the moms out there and observing, for instance, for your children, what happens when over the years you've gone to a so-called well baby uh, pediatrician visit and they come out sick and you can see it and you can report on it and you can say, hey, there's a problem here and the physician doesn't. You are actually engaging in, in better science than the physician in those cases. So my point is science is is accessible to anybody it's observation it's reporting on what you observe it's constantly questioning what you see and trying to find out is there a causal relationship here there or anywhere and even if you don't know definitively making uh choices that you perceive are better for better outcomes based on even limited information and you know going forward with the precautionary principle that has also been abandoned in what's called science that isn't which is basically an agenda to profit off of death and disease creation and you know what's been interesting, you bring up a lot of what all of us have learned during this, you know, yes, it's been from the docs, it's been from my patients. Mm -hmm. 
Never have I learned so much from my patients as years. You know, I, I'll be talking to, you know, uh, a mom, a soccer mom, and all of a sudden, oh, um, you know, have you been taking black seed oil? Well, wait a minute here. What, what, what's, what's black cumin seed oil? I mean, I didn't know what it was. So, I mean, I'm being told by parents um, about these other alternative medications I never would have known of. So it doesn't all come from doctors because, you know what, everybody's been doing more research. And it's kind of refreshing to see the general public, they're not stupid. They're out there doing their own due diligence as well. So those people bring a lot to the table. They've, they've enriched my life and my understanding of science as well. No question about it. Um, yeah, we did well, want to give, I did want to give a little update just on the care for COVID has changed. And there's only a couple of little changes I wanted people to know about. Okay. okay? Because you can all, you can, everybody can find this on the FLCCC protocol. But there was a, a call with Dr. Cartagiani, who is from Brazil, Dr. Corey, Dr. Merrick. But one thing we are seeing with BA4 and 5 that people need to be aware of, people seem to be going into the inflammatory and the pulmonary phase much more quickly. Mm. So what we're starting to do, and they're coming down with bacterial pneumonias more quickly. So the one shift we have made is that by day three, a lot of times of the illness, we're starting steroids and we're starting antibiotics, typically doxycycline. That way we're not going to hear from the naysayers talking about using hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin together. So we're using doxycycline. So doxycycline, we're also adding methylprednisolone and sometimes prednisone. Um, and then we're also using ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine together. The ivermectin dose has been upped a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, typically now. 0.4 to 0.8 milligrams per kilogram five days yeah. until you're symptom free. And then hydroxychloroquine twice a day, 200 milligrams twice a day, um, five, five days until you're symptom free. Not the 2,400 milligrams that they tried in the, in the fake surgisphere thing that we all found, you know, the Lancet had to retract, but of course we never heard about the retraction. Right. Well, you know, I would like to hear, I'm going to put this out there for all the doctors, physicians out there that are working with these protocols and developing them and, and responding to the patients in need. Um, you know, in those first three days or prior to that, even uh, to work with nebulizing the bioactive silver hydrosol and or the bioactive copper hydrosol or both. Uh, and maybe we could preclude even going down that road, as you talked about the pulmonary issues, the inflammatory issues, because we know both of those single ingredient metals at micro dosing, microgram dosing in terms of inhalation into the lungs. I've written about the silver use for uh, countering COPD many years ago and other uh, pulmonary issues in, in Unlock the Power to Heal. But now we have the copper as well. We see the systemic anti-inflammatory benefit, the anti-parasitic uh, benefit, all of these things that are somewhat similar to ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, although different mechanisms perhaps, that maybe it would preclude even the need in some or many of those patients to go down that next road. And this is my bias of like, if I can avoid using any toxic drug, even if it's appropriate. <laughs> I want to say, let's try, right? Um, so just throwing those things out for people to consider and get back to me or, or more discussion on, because I'm hearing preliminary, some really good things there as well. And keep in mind too, the chlorine dioxide. So one of the, uh, one of the sites people can find, uh, it's called the respiratory rescue kit. I have no interest in it, to be honest with you, except to get people better, but I have no financial interest at all, but it's patient advocate bulldog and they have a respiratory rescue kit. They also have a jab res uh, rescue kit, yeah. which they were thinking may, may be useful in what's to come here. So uh, I will put that out there, but patient advocate bulldog, great site. I think um, gentleman, Dr. Will Spencer is a homeopath and naturopath as well. So again, yeah. uh, he's been 
been doing these protocols for 20 years and yeah. uh, should at least take a look, do their due diligence, but uh, take a look at what's in the kits. It's pretty interesting. I think you'll find it pretty interesting. Yeah, I may be biased, but I think the homeopaths are going to come back and save the day. <laughs> no doubt about it. They have but, them. Yeah, but it's working together, all of us. Uh, uh, Dr. Michael Uphies, I really appreciate uh, your connection. You're staying connected with us here. And, and you know, anytime there's something going on that, that you want to get out to the world, we'll do our best to get it out as well with you. Or even if you just send a, send a mail or email or whatever to Super Don to alert folks to it. And I, I hope that we continue. And I know that we will have the the di- dialogue that's occurring. And uh, if I can participate in any of those calls to be of help, I'm not there just to be there, but if I can be of help, let me know. Otherwise we'll keep at it here on this end. I appreciate it. And then, yeah, you know, with what's the come, like we said, we never know what they're coming up with next, but you can kind of see the writing on the wall here. So um, yeah, I, I'm always happy to, uh, you know, because I'm constantly educating, happy to come back. Uh, it's great to see you guys. I'd love to be back on the show at any time. Yeah, and by the way, the the website for Dr. Uphuse, we've got caduceusmedicalpartners.com. Also, we have links up to the uh, America's Frontline Doctors and some of the things we've discussed here today as well. And if if you'd like to, Robert, um, I'd prefer they even have my personal email. It's perfectly fine with me. Okay. Well, it's up to you to put that out there if people want to reach out to you, Dr. Uphuse. I appreciate that. Sounds great. So let Super Don know if anything's uh, breaking on that front. So uh, God bless you. Wish I give you a big hug for all that you're doing, and we can connect somewhere, somehow, and at an event somewhere. We, I'll definitely see you soon, and that'll be great. It's great to see you again, Robert. Thank you so much. Good to see you as well. Thanks for being here. That's Dr. Michael Uphuse. Again, great. See, the, the thing is, uh, more examples of uh, working together, cooperative uh, efforts to uh, to help people, which is, I believe, the natural state of humanity. The artificial state is that which is inducing, induced by fear uh, to divide us, to separate us, to conquer us, etc. And, uh, you know, even though there are certainly times that there are uh, uh, disagreements among physicians of, of allopathic variety, much like that, but that's okay. These are the things that can drive us in, uh, forward, help us to overcome challenges and, and cause us to think more critically and more deeply about things in uh, bottom line. Uh, outcomes, observing who's surviving, who's thriving and say, hey, what are they doing? Let's see if we can take some of that or all of that, depending. And I know there are always bio-individuality scenarios. So some people would do well on one thing and not do well on another and vice versa. So we have to be sensitive to that. But that's part of the individualization of treatment in in the acknowledgement and recognition that there are similarities among individuals. I do acknowledge that. We all have a liver. We all need to have a liver that's working well. And in that context, we can do things to, in that regard that will benefit everybody, even if it's not as individualized as in some circumstances. So some basic things we can do. So let me bring Super Don back into the mix here. Great uh, first hour. Really, it was nice to have Dr. Uphuse back in. Who, who connected us with, again to have him back on? That was awesome. Well, who do you think? It must have been Kevin Tuttle. It was. Yeah. Kev's on the road with Scott Shera. They're heading down to Indianapolis for the Red Pill Expo. Look forward to seeing Kev. Also, after the show, I'm going to connect with uh, my good friend Joni Abbott, who will hopefully be visiting the Red Pill Expo as well, not just today, and and I'll get the reunion there. And uh, these are the adventures we can still have somehow, some way. And uh, I don't want to question how it's possible because uh, sometimes you go, that's not possible. And you start buying into the impossibility. But despite all of these challenges, Super Don, there are miracles occurring every moment of every day. And I think life itself is a miracle. And we're seeing doctors cooperating with homeopaths. I'm sure hell is frozen over. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. You've been with me a long time to see that what's happening now. Yeah. 
No, it is interesting. And, and you know, and, and most of this, it, the, the funny part about this mm-hmm. is that if you want to find who really is at, uh, responsible for that happening, mm-hmm. it's the people that would want the opposite of that happening. Yeah. Right? They're fighting so hard, they're making our job easier. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy right. almost. themselves up now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was cool, uh, Dr. Up, he's mentioning the copper thing, which I brought up, and I brought it to McCullough, and they're now looking at it. It means the seeds were planted, and they're taking it seriously. They're looking at, oh, my gosh, look at it manifest in the absence, which is why we're going to do a whole other hour on copper coming up with a new guest that I've not talked with before. So that's going to be right. cool. Yep, yeah. yep. Jason Hommel, I talked with him for a bit the, this morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you guys, I, I, I fully suspect that next next hour is going to be like two brothers from another mother. I'm sure but, it's going to uh, be a knockdown, drag out, beat each yeah, other. Yeah, you guys are just going to argue and fight the whole time. No, no not <laughs> like not you and likely. I do off the air, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. So the safe and effective narrative is falling apart, Super Don. Do you think that's true, or do you think that's a fantasy? Hmm. Well, if Steve Kirsch has anything to say about it, it uh, it is something that is happening. Yeah, this is something that has been a mantra, right? Safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. If people drone on, they become robots, basically programmed with these two words with a conjunction in the middle, safe and effective. And Steve Kirsch has uh, a great number of examples of how, indeed, this narrative is falling apart. And an example after example within examples, more examples. I can't even cover it all. I mean, he lists at least, what, 29 different things here with a lot of things below that. There's could be hundreds of reasons that are backing up this idea that the idea that vaccines or whatever they're calling vaccines that it may be not vaccines or safe and effective is not in any way shape or form valid or scientifically verifiable other than to dispute what they're proclaiming so super d again this is another interesting evolution of their doing right as much as i've been at this for a long time I don't have delusions of grandeur. I know I've reached some of you, and there are people that I don't know, maybe more than I know. But at the same time, the efforts of those to suppress this information are doing us the greatest favor ever, suppressing, silencing, deplatforming, censoring, etc., shadow banning. It is only making it more obvious that they have no argument. Therefore, their only strategy is to suppress the free flow of information that would dispute their claims of safety and effectivity, so to speak. Um, anything to add to that? Because I, I don't know that I have time to go into the, all the details of this, but we might. Uh, it's just a, it's an intense discussion that needs to happen. Well, we, got ten, we got yeah. 10 minutes before the top of the hour. You oh, we are? Okay. A little bit of time. Okay, good. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> sort of a man out of time right now, and I don't mean I'm out of time. I'm like outside of time. I mean, I don't Unless there's something else you want to talk about. Uh, I don't know. Is it what's going on in the chat room? I mean, it, it, maybe this is not interesting to people. You said the number one uh, request of of uh, the stories today was what in your the most your, popular story of the newsletter today's newsletter was the Paul Office story, the off which we open with. So yes, uh, is, the, are there any comments about that, or or is it? I, I'm pretty certain that it's a little too little too late for Offit that he's trying put himself in a position of see i'm a critical thinker i'm not part of the cabal i'm not part of the back i mean it's bad as to your point when he's even i don't say seeing it i'm just saying well see now here's here's where i think you and i are are we're kind of i think we both could could agree 
mm-hmm. but we're kind of we're we're missing each other here, and this is where <laughs> this is what I think is going on here. I am not saying, hey, look, Paul Offit said something true. Yeah. Um, let's be best friends and move in and be roommates. No, not at all. I mean, obviously, the guy's got a history there that you know you can't just dismiss because he happens to say something. Now, what is his motivation behind it? We don't know. We can speculate, but but to me, see, I you know, look, I've always been the here's the silver lining of the situation thing, right? Which I know drives you nuts. You know, it just does. But the the, the reason know. why like I it. think this is look the reason why I think this is significant is because uh, there are a lot of people out there pro vaccine. Oh, you know, we hate those anti vaxxers stuff like that. Uh, that follow every word that Offit says. Offit the prophet, right? You know, I mean yeah. that that's that's who a lot of people. It's the same thing with this. P- I hate Peter Hotez, but you know if you spend any time like uh, trolling his his Twitter page, there are people literally like, oh, oh, Mister Hotez, you're you're incredible. You're such a hero. Oh, and you're out there fighting the fight and the blah, blah. and I'm just like, you guys are you guys are insane. You know, they literally have people that worship them, and Offit's the same way. So, to me, when I see him make a statement like that, I'm like, now that's going to get some people's attention, right? People that may, up until then, had been going, hey, everything the CDC says is right, follow everything that the FDA says, you know, do everything that the World Health Organization says. When somebody like Paul Offit comes out and goes, you know what, this looks fishy to me. This so doesn't maybe, look right. It kind of looks like the fix was in. What he's doing is he's now casting a shadow of doubt yeah. on these people, which then is going to cause some of those people to now have maybe a more of a critical eye or okay. maybe be open to the idea mm-hmm. that perhaps maybe there's some funny business happening here. So maybe I'm jaded because I'm so disgusted by Of that. course you are. Of course you are. And I understand why you I'm are. I get it. I, I get it 100%. I get it. Yeah. But, you know, again, you know, we didn't get to where we're at right now taking gigantic leaps of progress. It's been a slow, methodical, creeping, incremental, you know, uh, a path that we've been on to get to where we're at now, where you have people that are questioning things and being critical thinkers more than they were before. Okay, and this is one of those moves where you're going to get a a number of people are going to be like, damn, Paul Offit. He's always about the, the vaccines, right? Look, right. now he's saying, hey, look at this. This doesn't look right. I need to look at this. And maybe if they look at that, then they might look at something else too, right? Listen to you, glass half full optimist. Come on, man. I love it. No, I'm with you because I vacillate between those I'll be, things. Look, I'll be honest with you. The reason why I have so much fun with these things is because I, I, I have to push you out of your comfort zone, and that makes me happy. You're so mean. <laughs> Super done. Look at what he's doing to me. Anyway, no, I'm with you. I, as I said, I was, uh, this concept of vacillation between something and another, um, there are times, yes, I'm right with you in that looking at that positive side, bright side. And I don't want to lose that. And it's funny because when I'm in this state, you're in that state. This is like I talk about in marriage. Right? This is our radio marriage. But, you know, my wife and I talk and have this agreement. We can't both be in that state at the same time, you know, whatever that might be. It's like, all right, because we lift each other up. And if we're both down there, it's it's a rough time, right? So one of us has to, you know, kind of balance in that sense. And I, and it's I a see yin that and a yang, a radio yeah. yin and yang, right? Exactly. So uh, what about the sudden adult death syndrome? 
better diagnosis. That's the reason, right? We couldn't, we used to not be able to diagnose young, healthy people that died suddenly. <laughs> it's now, well, we got SADS. And, SIDS uh, to SADS. Yeah. SIDS to SADS. And, and as uh, Dr. Upuse acknowledged, as I said, the physician community uh, completely devoid of, of consciousness when it comes to SIDS until recently now, they're all looking back, or many of them are, on the entire vaccine schedule and questioning it. Like Dr. Peter McCullough, who's now you know, saying, uh, I would not do these vaccines ever again. I would not give them to my kids. So that's something that you and I couldn't have achieved on our own in any way. And yet it's happening now because of the extraordinary over push or overreach or whatever we'd want to say it, the desperate push to get everybody locked in, mandated to be injected. Now, suddenly that entire effort is backfiring big time. And so that even their deliverers of these things are running for the hills and abandoning it, the doctors and the nurses. And I know it's not all of them, but eventually it will be because to be left in that embarrassing situation that you have, an embarrassment is an understatement, that you have contributed to the deaths of you know, thousands to millions. And we know that, as I point out, before COVID, modern medicine was considered the third leading cause of death. Uh, and this was in the published peer-reviewed literature. And you know, so it's not new here, not new on this show, not new even in the medical acknowledgement. But there's a cognitive dissonance that's been allowed to fester like a wound that never heals. They uh, carry on like they had nothing to do with it. And they're, as, as Dr. Upu said, they're baffled by it. You know, he's not baffled by it. McCullough's not baffled by it. Pierre Corey and others. It's not that all, they're all, but now they're waking up because of the harshness of what we've experienced, the brutality, the overt death in everybody's face, not due to a virus, but due to the treatment or the quote unquote preventive measures that are not indeed prevention, but they're death inducing, at the very least, disease inducing. Toxicological burdens are, are added. Uh, immunological aberrations are stimulated into being. Aberrant, abhorrent proteins are being forced to be produced by mRNA, synthetic injections, etc. And all of this has to be defended at a certain point. Even Paul Offit's going to go, ooh, uh, I don't have, uh, you know, you're seeing your foundation, whatever you believed your foundation was crumbling below your feet. You're trying to find a safe place to stand. And so I see that on an individual basis, Offit, or uh, yeah, Offit may be trying to say, how do I survive this? On another basis, Super Don is, is right and looking at the bigger picture and saying, yeah, people that believed in the Offits of the world, hearing them go, oh, the fix was in. Yes, that's going to probably cause some of them to say, oh, if Offit says it, maybe I. And it's a sad state of reality for those people. I don't, I don't feel good about that. But at the same time, hey, however you get here, I'm glad you're here now. The water's warm. It's uh, non-GMO. We don't have, uh, you know, uh, residual mercury hanging out in this water. Or if we do, we're going to find a way to remove it fast because we know that's the big issue, not the virus. Anyway, we're about out of time for the first hour. Um, we're heading into the Red Pill Expo. I'm in Indianapolis, not in studio, as you can tell. Uh, we've been able to get through the first hour successfully. I May that continue. We've got a new guest coming up in hour two, and we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics of all time. That is the deficiencies that are very real and one specific deficiency that may be uh, equally, if not more important, than our fear of viruses or COVID. It's copper and the deficiency of copper. How has that played out and manifested in everything we've seen in the last two and a half years and maybe more and beyond that? And what can we do to correct course? Okay. Mineral deficiencies. They're 
everything. And without those minerals, whatever they may be, and we'll talk about them uh, next hour, uh, we are just walking into one disaster after another that is met with disasters that are not appropriate in terms of remediating the initial deficiency by adding toxic poisons to the body or mRNA injectable. So Jason Hommel is joining us in hour two. I hope that you've shared the show. If not, please, just a reminder to do so. You can sign up for email alerts by coming over to robertscatbell.com or you can just uh, text RSB, my initials, to 22828, RSB to 22828. Also, while you're at it, go out and get some Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. I've got Tor uh, uh, McPartland coming on the show Sunday, our radio show. It's going to be great. Love that man. He is a a really stalwart defender of the environment. He's put his money where his mouth is in, depend, in, in developing this delimiting-based uh, pesticide that doesn't harm the environment, only harms the little critters you don't want, like stinging bite, bug bites, uh, uh, ants, and things like that. Safely, you can use Orange Guard. You can get it at your local Ace Hardware or order directly at orangeguard.com. Lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show after this because the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, we are cranking it up here for Health, Freedom, and Healing Liberty, heading into the Red Pill Expo in Indianapolis, Indiana. I hope you'll join us either uh, in person or on the live stream. We have links up in the upcoming events page or tab of the Robert Scott Bell Show website, robertscottbell.com. Sign up for email alerts as well, and you can do that by sending RSB to 22828. Text it or just sign up at the website. Um, here we are, Super Don, at the Red Pill Expo, just about to begin. And I mentioned briefly the challenges that we're facing in terms of hotel air conditioning breakdowns and things. But they're gallantly uh, moving forward to create a space that we can all enter into that we will not be in a sauna for the weekend. So uh, please, if you're planning to be here, just be flexible. The hotel might shift you to a different hotel like it did me. But we're still going forward with this thing. We don't we don't stop at the you know mere flesh wound, so to speak. We carry on, carry forward. <laughs> Is that a Black Knight reference? Could be, could yes. be just a flesh wound. Gotcha. So we ca- carry on. Um, we got other upcoming events. We'll get into in a moment. But I want to say a shout out to our friends at Nutritional Frontiers. We have a, a great education forum coming up. That's where we get our certified organic U.S. grown hemp CBD. Our oils, our transdermal topicals, the Hemp Boost is an amazing product, the best tasting organic gummies you can get. And they are wonderful in what they do, their quality. And you go to CBDNF.com, CBDNF.com, sign up there to become a customer. You can always use the code RSB15 to get 15% off any of their products, including those sale items. And they have even case discounts coming up, so you can use the RSB15 on top of that. And that's at NutritionalFrontiers.com as well. But August 6th, we'll be in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. For the big journey of healthcare, along with Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Tracy Straub, Dr. Len, and Jamie Dorley. And I'd love to see you there. They will stream that as well. You can get tickets for either or, but love to see you in Pittsburgh at that event. Uh, also, uh, uh, in October, we have the Health Freedom Expo. That's due to Trinity School of Natural Health, trinityschool.org. And uh, that's the 15th and 16th of October. And you can sign up now to be an exhibitor. Uh, if you feel like you have products that the health freedom community would love or services, 
you would love to be there with us. And people are very appreciative of those that, that also exhibit at that event. And so I hope to see you there in, in that one. In fact, Indianapolis, where I am right now, is where they're going to have the uh, Trinity Live event next month. I think, is it September maybe? August or September? September, I think. Uh, so check out trinityschool.org. Every month they start up new coursework. And uh, from health coaches all the way up to certified natural health professionals, nat uh, traditional naturopathy, iridology, so many things. It's extraordinary. And I love that you don't have to go into massive debt or debt at all in many cases to become part of the healing professionals that are out there actually engaging in body, mind, spirit, supporting nutrition as opposed to depleting it. That's wonderful. That's why we love and appreciate both Trinity School and Trinity, um, um, the Trinity Health Freedom Expo, as well as Nutritional Frontiers and more. And uh, remember on Sunday's radio broadcast, I'll have Tor McPartland talking about the story behind Orange Guard. And if you aren't already utilizing that instead of toxic pesticides, please, please, please switch over. You can go to your local Ace Hardware store or go to orangeguard.com. You can find it there. And with that, Super Don, are there any other announcements or breaking news before we get to dive headlong into our uh, lovely copper discussion, which I can't get enough of? Yes, no, no, you're just shaking your head no? Okay. Uh, I was going to uh, let everybody know something else that uh, Super Don has done, but I will leave it. I will leave it be because he's another. What have I done now? What? What, what have you done? I, I'm sure I had something good to come up with that, that made my job so much more challenging. And Are now you I forgot. pick on me. Well, I was going to try and pick back a little bit, but I'm feeling generous now. I'm feeling like um, you don't deserve you're pretty it. mellow today. I'm just, is it like, cause you got, got in late or something? Yeah, I am. I'm mellow. Okay. I mean, I didn't sleep long and I'm, I'm in the hotel room. I, there's this nice, comfortable couch. I'm just like, usually I'm standing up. I'm engaged. I'm like, I'm chilling out. Bring me an organic, non-alcoholic beer. Let's have a good time. Um, <laughs> let's see what Jason Hommel brings to the mix here. And maybe he'll have a copper enriched beer I can drink. I don't know what it is, but Jason, I'm so glad you're on board here today. One of my favorite topics. You have a book out called The Copper Revolution, Healing with Minerals. Welcome to the Robert Scabell Show, Jason. Thank you, Robert. I'm so excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this uh, all week. Hooray. So more copper information. And I don't know. Here's the book. Yeah. Super Don showing you the copper revolution healing with minerals. Uh, oh, it's available. A, go ahead. No, that's great. You got it right there yeah. on Amazon. That's awesome. Yeah, Thank you. We do have it linked up. We love people to engage and learn and, and, and dig deep and also ask questions. Um, we um, uh, look at the mineral deficiency issue as the, the key overlook, instead, it's replaced with, oh, my gosh, run and hide, it's germs. Oh, my gosh, it's viruses. It's like all of this could be just dismissed almost outright completely if we were uh, sufficient in the minerals that we're deficient in. And in the, con uh, let's say, in the even the holistic and integrative methods of helping patients successfully over the past couple of years, they've induced even further copper deficiency because of the over-reliance on zinc and vitamin C. And that's been a, a part of the message here. And I know you're all on board with that, Jason. I, I can't believe it. You, you almost stole my thunder there because that's right. Vitamin D, uh, vitamin C and zinc, all three of those will deplete copper. But there's a lot more that also deplete copper. And that's uh, high iron and fluoride and bromide and uh, lead, aluminum and mercury. Quite literally, every single toxin out there depletes copper because copper is our major detox mineral. I don't think most people know that. I've never even read that anywhere else except for in the uh, arcane journal articles that I cite in my book. In fact, there are at least five major uh, 
enzymes that the body makes with copper to engage in detoxifying. Those are glutathione, mm-hmm. metallothionines, which are actually a family of enzymes. There's a superoxide dismutase, there's ceruloplasmin, and there's one more, the name of which I forget. And I'm sure there's probably more that we haven't quite discovered yet, but uh, copper is a wonderful detoxifier. So in fact, it's it's just absolutely great for COVID too. I have four research articles in my book that suggest that copper uh, it could be the cure for COVID. <laughs> and well, of course, well, it kills all sorts of germs. Yeah, Jason, look at all the manifestations of COVID and you'll say any one of those could be also uh, evidence of copper deficiency. So if, if it's not outright the prevention or reversal of it, certainly in the absence of copper, anybody dealing with COVID, it's going to be much, much worse. That's the very least. But in cases, I, I, I'm believing now that if we shore up copper stores in people, this would be a non-issue for most people. That's right. I looked into uh, just even lung disease and copper and copper deficiency is very bad for lung disease. Copper itself is needed for ATP production in the body for energy. But how do we make ATP? We turn oxygen into water plus ATP through in the mitochondria with copper. So without copper, that process doesn't even really take place. You probably know that. There you go. Explain fatigue and long COVID right there. So, right. So, uh, we need copper for our respiratory functions. And in fact, my own respiratory functions has have significantly re- improved taking copper and in fact, zinc. Some people, when they're detoxing too hard, even from copper, they get a little bit of air hunger and zinc seems to fix it because zinc, like copper, is a good antihistamine for the lungs, but zinc seems to be a little bit more powerful of an antihistamine. Sure. Yeah, it operates. It's, it's more dominant and in a sense. And I've said that, though, it's dangerous. You have zinc without copper. Zinc can go bonkers in the body and create all kinds of aberrant uh, metabolic uh, dysfunction. So it's everything needs to be in its place and recognizing that if you just throw zinc at it because you know its properties could be helpful and ignore the depletion of copper, uh, that's irresponsible. But as we know, the physicians are not trained in nutrition and even the nutritionists have been convinced that copper is dangerous and toxic and we got to avoid it or be really careful around it. You're absolutely right. And it's very funny, too, because even in the alternative health world where, where people are doing a hair mineral testing, uh, they think copper is toxic. So it's like if the doctors believe copper is toxic in the alternative health world, they think copper is toxic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is there that says copper is not toxic? Is there you, you me and, and Morley? And is that about it? Yeah. Well, we're working on it to gain more more, uh, uh, you know, functional copper, you know, supporters, so to speak. Uh, we know that most people do not eat copper-rich foods. We also know that the copper-rich foods are a lot less rich in copper than they were. On the, on the mineral chart that I uh, pr- you know, show every time I, I lecture, of all the minerals that have been studied over the past century, copper is depleted more than any of them, almost 80% depletion in the soil. So that means even those things that we rely upon for copper have less than they had before. And so we have to do a little bit better work, and that's an understatement, at getting the copper back into our systems. Now, there are a myriad of supplements that we can do as well, and I'm sure you have your favorites too, but I'm trying to shore it up on all levels. And again, the fear of copper is irrational. Um, There Certainly anything could be taken to excess, but the excess quantities you'd have to get to, uh, nothing that I would recommend would even get you close to that. And even uh, at microgram levels in the bioavailable or bioactive form can be a benefit uh, even though you may need more, the fact is get it in, get, get some in you and you'll see benefit. And then you'll find that the side benefit of uh, copper ingestion will be phase one liver detoxification support pathways. So not damage to the liver, but an enhanced, healthier liver. 
Well, this brings me to how much copper I'm taking, which is basically I've been taking 30 milligrams of copper a day or more for the last four years, along with my wife. And in the last year, since I came out with the book, I convinced myself and her to take even more copper, which we decided to take topically. So we apply about 70 milligrams of copper to our skin daily for a total of 100. Now we're assuming that if topical, maybe we absorb maybe only the equivalent of 20 milligrams of that. So still we're getting up to 50 and I've, I've taken 50 orally. So maybe up to a total of 70, maybe, you you hear, know, maybe you over 100 all total. Doctors so, and nutritionists heads are exploding right now as you've talked about those quantities going in. My gosh, you yeah. should be dead, right? I, I should be dead twice over, right? In fact, I should be dead twice over because uh, the lethal dose of copper is actually 20,000 milligrams. At that level, 15% of people die. And the grand total I've taken, copper I've taken over the past four years, that adds up to about maybe 45,000 milligrams, which is enough to kill me twice over. Yeah. Now, so I've seen... possible that I'm alive. Yeah. And I've seen... Um, uh, like people that were swimming in copper pools, for instance, ex excessive exposure, perhaps over time. And it isn't so much a physiological dysfunction. I've seen emotional aberration, angry outburst out of nowhere. Of course, we know liver and anger related in terms of emotionality and physicality and in copper. Well, it and could liver be a detox effect. We, with people are getting a, a brief exposure over a short period of time. Since copper is such a powerful detoxer, they get a, they get a big swimming pool of toxins that come up that they can't detoxify all at once because it can overwhelm the kidneys. And so I can, I could see that anger would, would build up, but actually it's calmed me down significantly. And in our copper revolution forum, uh, the universal things that people say is that they are so much more calm and that they never get angry like they used to. And in fact, you know, as far as infighting goes in a forum as busy as ours, it's amazing that we don't have hardly any difficult interpersonal reactions at all. And I, I said, look, this has to be attributable to the copper itself, changing our personalities, becoming far more tolerant. And uh, people are like, you know, that's very interesting. I believe it. It's making us more capable of regulating our emotions mm. um, because we're not as toxic afterwards. Right. Now, copper, uh, as cupra metallicum is indicated in homeopathic terms, into varicose veins, for instance, varicosities. Now, we know copper, the mineral, is critical to protect the vascular system on many levels. It works with selenium at the microcapillary bed and at the cardiac protein level, at the heart level, uh, copper is critical. It's also indicated for uh, critical kidney issues, cuprum, as, as I said, as a homeopath. So I see the impact on the physical body, even in micro doses, much less the supplemental doses coming from preferably food sources. But I said, how many people are eating copper rich foods? And even if you think you're eating a copper rich food, it's not as copper rich as it once was. Now, in terms of uh, bioavailability and utilizability, we know that the digestive process is about taking things from food, breaking them down into ever smaller parts to be utilized by the energy and, and cellular metabolic functions. Let me just say it for cellular metabolic functions. Um, these uh, forms may be considered uh, copper one, copper two and getting there. So there's a lot of different ways to address the chemistry and the energy of the body. And copper plays such a vital role in energy production. You pointed out mitochondrial ATP production. That also is associated with magnesium and copper together as well. And so yeah. these minerals are so critical. That's why your book, The Copper Revolution, Healing with Minerals is so nice. It's not just copper, but it just happens to be one of the greatest, most important deficiencies we're encountering right now. Absolutely. The, even the government itself about 20 years ago said that 80% uh, of people in the United States are not even getting two thirds of the uh, 0.9 milligram RDA. In other words, they're getting 0.6 milligrams or less. And when the government came out with this RDA, they tried to give uh, 0.58 milligrams, which is very close to that amount. 
to about uh, 10 women, and uh, 80% of these women developed copper deficiency symptoms, and they concluded that it was unethical to re replicate the copper deficiency study because it's so dangerous. And yet we have 80% of the United States population <laughs> having that same amount of copper or less. Yeah. So 80, you can't put 80% of a population into a, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how shockingly dangerous that is. And there's not a single other vitamin or mineral that is even comes close to that level of deficiency. And yet what have they done about it? They're supplementing and putting iron into the food supply, which lowers copper. They're putting fluoride yeah. into the water, which lowers copper. It's absolutely staggering. It's, well, it's let, amazing what they, what they, what, what amount of truth they let leak out yeah. yet that nobody grabs onto and says, aha, here's something big. It's, right. a, it's really amazing. Oh, and I forgot Dr. Berg. I have to give a nod to Dr. Berg. He's got 7 million listeners. He's okay. come on board the copper train. Go nice. Dr. Berg. Well, like I said, I, as I'm speaking out about it, I'm hearing physicians like Dr. Upuse bring it up now. I'm like Dr. McCullough bring it up now. So I'm happy. I'm not, it's not about that. I know it, or you know it, or Morley knows it. It's like, we've got to get it out there for everybody. Cause this is, if there ever were a life and death scenario situation, we're, we're seeing it manifest right now. Uh, another aspect of uh, COVID manifestation, oxygenation issues, blood issues. Guess what, y'all? Iron cannot be utilized, metabolized properly, or even its oxygen carrying capacity utilized fully without copper in the absence of copper. So a lot of the, again, you see COVID manifestations related to blood issues, oxygenation issues. Who is looking at copper? And anemia diagnoses, 99% wrong. It's If 1% is really an iron deficiency, that'd be news. It's honestly a copper deficiency that's manifesting as they say, oh, it's anemia. We've got to give you iron, which again, does the opposite, makes things worse. Uh, so these are, uh, you know, other aspects of discussion here. And I know you're familiar with it, having written a book now on it. I'm just, like I said, thrilled to connect with you as well. You know, what shocked me uh, just last night was that I realized that in the forum, I, we have quite a few uh, pregnant women and they're wondering, well, is copper safe for me? And what about detoxing? And what about copper coming out into my breast milk or, 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 or toxins coming out of the breast milk or whatever? I'm like, no, no, no. Toxins come out in the feces and all copper comes. It's, it's So it's fine. Uh, you need copper for the baby. In fact, uh, copper is great for the nerves in 15 ways. But what I am learning is that all these pregnant women are having their doctors push iron supplements on them. We're also, we're already getting iron in the food supply, iron fortified foods, and then they take iron prenatal supplements. And then doctors are now pushing and almost mandating iron infusions on pregnant women. And if you think about that, it's an injection, right? And why are they moving towards injections? It's because they know their paradigm isn't working because giving people iron doesn't fix the problem. It actually makes the problem worse because when you give iron, it blocks copper. And without copper, your body can't turn iron into hemoglobin and, and into red blood cells. In fact, we know we need copper to increase red blood cell counts and white blood cell counts. These are classic symptoms of copper deficiency is low is anemia and uh, low white blood cell counts. So, and where does copper go? It goes right into the bone marrow. So of course it's it's there right where it needs to be to fix these problems, and yet doctors don't know anything, and they're they're pressuring women into doing what into essentially depleting their copper. Yeah. And in my book, I have found copper is great for the nerves in 15 different ways. They make four neurotransmitters. Uh, it uh, helps us to restore the myelin sheath. Uh, it's needed for ATP, and nerves are huge ATP. Monsters, uh, yes. your average nerve cell, Morley pointed out one of his recent shows was uh, 500 mitochondria in an average cell, 2 million mitochondria in a nerve cell. So the nerves really need a ton. 
copper itself acts as a neurotransmitter going in and out of the cell, just like calcium and potassium and sodium. Uh, copper helps reuptake neurotransmitters. Um, so we, and in fact, copper deficiency leads to neuropathy. And so what is one of these classic things where, where um, problems, we have one in six in the United States are having neurodevelopmental disorders, not just autism, but a ton of other ones. Mm-hmm. Why? Because well, pregnant women are induced into copper deficiency, which we need for the nerves and, and our brains. Well, That's and also why. later in life, the you know, all, all of the uh, neurological degradation, misfiring diseases, Parkinson's, et cetera, I think all related to this issue, although um, there are deleterious toxic metals that do indeed contribute to damage to nerves, the copper is not that. It's quite the opposite. Uh, so your book, The Copper Revolution, Healing with Minerals, is it available anywhere else besides Amazon? Can people get it directly from you? Unfortunately, you can only order it from Amazon. Um, I, I would, it would cut my royalties in half if I made it available on, um, say, Walmart or other retailers. I did that with my first book. It was a colossal mistake because those other retailers will never do any uh, publicizing oh, of my book. So I realized, OK, well, let's just do the Amazon exclusive. And it's working out a little bit better this time. So are you and Morley doing battle for who can sell the most books? Are you guys friendly? <laughs> we are friendly because yeah. we're both on the same team. We're both promoting copper. He doesn't take as much copper as I do, but he's promoting copper in a more sure. conservative way. So <laughs> and I'm yeah. promoting copper in a more radical way because I believe, I believe, look, okay, historically, people got an average of five milligrams a day of copper. That was well before we were being fluoridated. That was well before the iron supplementation program. Uh, but yeah. because we are being influenced with not just those two toxins, but also, you know, bromine and also uh, so much mercury and aluminum and vaccines, as you well know, mm-hmm. all of those toxins and the 300 chem- petrochemical toxins and all of the uh, prescriptions that are, all Americans take, every yeah. single toxin out there, they all end up depleting copper because copper is our detoxification mineral. So if our body has to make sod, superoxide dismutase with copper and zinc, which is then going to bind to something and then gets excreted out. We lose copper with every toxin we have to excrete. The average body, and this really shocked me when I was studying the book. I said, well, how much, how much fluoride is like in people's body on average? 2,600 milligrams of fluoride is in the human body on average. Some people have more. You know how much copper is in the average person's body? 70 milligrams. How is 70 milligrams going to detoxify 2,600 milligrams of fluoride. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Everybody oh, you make, inverts. Uh, Jason, you make a very strong argument based on the terrain, the environment, the current situation that we're in. And I love that contextually. I, I'm still uh, challenging folks just to get over their fear of copper. So part of the journey is let's get you started in a ginger way. And then you'll see the, and it's like suddenly they'll go, like, oh, okay. And, and then they'll come to, oh, and Jason says, it's like bringing them over. And it's like you're hitting them with the copper sledgehammer, like, holy crap, I can't conceive of that. It's crazy. Yet what I'm also seeing historically and and scientifically, they said, but in an ideal world situation way back in the day, 30 to 40 percent of dietary copper could be, you know, digested, absorbed, utilized. So it's not that even 100 percent of what you're putting in is necessarily being utilized. Uh, but maybe that's by design. That's just the way it is. But we also know that the compromised digestive systems of most people, the microflora imbalance, et cetera, make it even harder for people to assimilate minerals, including copper. That's maybe even not there. So also my argument is trying to bypass the weaknesses, the limitations via going into different various ways of, of introducing copper in to strengthen, strengthen, strengthen. So I see this building from that little bit, getting over the fear, but also getting the body back online so it can actually get 
from the food that now hopefully people are making better choices about food with copper or and or supplementing additional copper in their system and pay attention to the changes. Your point should be well taken is that not all symptoms are negative. In fact, sometimes they could be indicative of detox processes. We've called that Herxheimer responses or uh, healing crises or aggravations. Pay attention because they're different from genuine quote unquote immune response to so-called illnesses, diseases, infections that may not even be what we think they are. One day we'll look back on all the infections and we'll go, oh, was that really the cause caused by an L agent like a bacteria, a bacteria, fungus or something or a virus even, or was it the deficiencies and the imbalances that resulted in, right? Then we go to terrain issues, which still were very immature as a, as a people, as a human species to understand because we've been so programmed by a fear to the very things that keep us alive. No, no, no. They're really out to get us or out to kill us. So we need to kill them first, right? The whole point of uh, toxic poisoning the world, much less our own bodies. That's, that's absolutely right. You know, um, I, I found it wasn't really a coincidence that they be, began putting fluoride in the water in 1945. And in 1945, two other things came out. They began demonizing iodine, which had been used successfully as a mineral for well over 100 years before that. And then uh, they began also demonizing copper that same year. And copper and iodine are the antidotes to fluoride. So they, so they began demonizing the two antidotes to fluoride right as they began putting fluoride in the water. And the way they began demonizing copper is they invented a disease. I think they invented a disease, called it Wilson's disease. And they said, well, in these people, if they get extra copper, copper is a poison to them. And it could very well be that there are toxic other things or maybe even fluoride. Um, and uh, I hate to talk about Wilson's only because yeah, it's yeah, so rare. One in 200,000 people have Wilson's. I shouldn't be wasting words on it unless I've at least spoken 200,000 regular words for regular people. Yes. But the point is they use Wilson's to demonize copper. So in that right. context, by scaring everybody, it's important to just put this to rest. And that is I haven't come across... Uh, any study where they actually gave copper to people with Wilson's to see if it could jumpstart their copper metabolism and detoxify the toxins that are breaking right. their copper metabolism. Sure. So if there's no proof that copper is toxic to them other than the fact that mm, uh, I, yeah, I, they I talk claim about that they're, they have too much copper in their body and they can't process it well. But more copper actually fixes that copper metabolism. Well, I think that, so, that, that comes into the term bioavailable forms right forms that actually the body can access and utilize uh metabolically um I, you know there are different forms out there that may be difficult may be so bound that the, the body has a difficult time breaking and releasing the copper from it i question that argument because we're taking copper sulfate and it's a perfectly fine form you know they often demonize copper uh, in the water supply and in the pipes but it's not copper in the water supply it's fluoride in the water supply and it's the fluoride that leaches the copper from the pipes so it's really a copper fluoride molecule. That's a very good point. It could very well be this bio-unavailable form. And in fact, we already know that fluoride disrupts copper metabolism and prevents and lowers cereloplasmin, which is what makes copper bioavailable. So it, and in fact, mercury, when they give mice mercury, the, uh, the kidneys in the mice end up with a sevenfold increase of copper in the mercury because the copper is going to where the mercury is to try to detoxify it. It's according to my understanding. So what we have here is uh, with poisons, it disrupts copper metabolism. It's not that the copper itself is a poison, but copper can be seen rising in tissues when there's other poisonings. Mm -hmm. And and what's really funny about Wilson's is that 
they say they have a low cerebroplasmin. We know that <laughs> fluoride lowers cerebroplasmin, yet there's not a single study with Wilson's in conjunction with fluoride, not one out of 8,000 studies. Fascinating. Fascinating. So Jason, give me a bit about your backstory of how you came to this point. I mean, you've written other books, as you've said, um, your background in research or, or other things that brought you to your interest in the topic that we're discussing and other things you've done before we've even met uh, to give, uh, again, some of that, uh, that journey you've been on. Well, when I was 18, I had a uh, debilitating illness called osteomyelitis. That put me right into the hands of the medical establishment, and I saw how inept they were because I actually caused my illness by prescribing me a hydrocortisone cream for my feet, and cortisones lead to infections. And so I had a back, a back infection, which actually uh, turned out to be a staph infection, um, which is the ana, which is the, um, the MRSA infection, they're calling it now. It's the semethicillin-resistant uh, um Staphylococcus aureolus, right. So, so I had that on my back, laid me out for nine months. Uh, I was a ski racer at the time, continued to ski race. I knew I didn't want to be a doctor because I saw that the profession was nothing but poisoners. I was smart enough to become a doctor, but I said, well, what am I really going to do? So mm -hmm. after college, I uh, came home, lived with my dad, and um, we uh, began investing. And uh, I was successful at that. Um, I began preaching freedom. I uh, was a student of Bible prophecy for a while. I was a preacher of silver and gold. Um, I thought silver and gold would really take off, but it never really became a grassroots movement like I thought it would. And uh, then I suffered uh, in terms of uh, ingestion or utilization in economic interchange. Economic interchange, uh, economic okay. freedom, silver and Don't gold. Don't give up on it yet. You it's, were a gold started. dealer too. Or you, you, what? Well, I'm, let's say I've been advocating the utilization of it. I've been paid in gold for decades and uh, been able to do things others thought were impo was impossible to do. And, you know, as I speak about those issues that you've spoken about, don't give up on them because people are finally coming to the conclusion that you've, you've known about for years because of what's happening. Um, but it's like anything, not everybody's going to get the message, even as the ship's sinking to abandon ships on it. So, and then transition to something of, uh, you know, viable exchange uh, value, for instance. So, uh, I, again, I'm, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about your journey to get here too. I, I love uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Well, what happened to me, though, was that the IRS put me out of business through sure. some serious IRS abuse. I don't think they liked my ministry on silver and gold, and they oh, took steps to impoverish me in that they were successful at that. So it's left me with a bit of trauma. Sure. And uh, in that, I had to find my own way towards healing that, and the minerals were a huge step for me. Um, nice. I nice. dealt it with it. The first year with uh, going towards alcoholism, I had to go through rehab, uh, learned to sort of re had to refine myself and realize that, you know, alcohol is a drug, just like all that other stuff is a drug. And it's not a good coping mechanism. And it's uh, yeah. I had to build my brain back up because what I was doing was an intellectual pursuit. And I shut the brain down mm. in my uh, traumas of getting put out of business. So, yeah, um. Iodine is a brain nutrient. Copper is a brain nutrient. And uh, it's easier to wrap my head around uh, uh, these other things than to try to go back towards what had been uh, the source of my trauma, which was trauma, preaching yeah. about silver and gold. Plus, wow. there were ministries that for me, while I was very successful at them, society wasn't. It took, you know, after 10 years of preaching, you get tired of one thing, I guess. Sure. And uh, 
I just felt like society was not smart enough to quite grasp it. Mm-hmm. I thought that they would be. They weren't. The no, message they, they... never went viral like I had expected it to. Um, you know, well. United States investors really never, never yeah. put more than about a billion dollars a year into silver and gold coins, which is pathetic. And nobody seemed to get the point that when you buy silver and gold in your bank account, uh, the banks never buy it. It's a short position and yeah. you're not pushing the price up. You're getting deceived and you're, you cannot bet on the destruction of the banking system while the banking system is holding your <laughs> yes. five million dollars exactly. in gold in their accounts. It's exactly. absolutely asininely stupid. And so I had to then go on a internal quest to discover why are people so stupid? How come they can't get that? And it led me mm-hmm. to like fluoride and yeah, we're yeah. all cop- they're all copper deficient. That's why they don't get yeah. the message. They're too dumb. Jason, yeah, your 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 journey is uh, quite profound in what it taught you and what it is teaching others. And I'm I'm glad you've come through it and come around to the minerals because, as you point out, uh, if we don't have those basic minerals in our system in our bodies, then the concepts that you identified early on, which are sound and valid, uh, are, are not identified by others. They can't see it. It's right in front of their faces, but they're incapable. There's something that's missing, and we talk about it's- the missing minerals. It's like, yeah, it's like you have to see the unseen, right? That's what they say with copper is it allows you to see the unseen. So when somebody starts, let's say, refuting and claiming that copper is toxic and bad for the brain, what I see is what they're not saying. I see the unseen. And they're not saying that fluoride is toxic to the nerves or that bromide is toxic to the nerves or that uh, aluminum or mercury is toxic to the nerves. I see they eliminate discussion of all the other toxins. And so you can then therefore see that the whole article is misinformation on purpose because they're not, I mean, we all know lead is a nerve toxin. All of society knows this, yet they're going to try and blame Alzheimer's on copper without even one word mentioning lead. It's obvious that they're lying because of what they're not saying. So copper allows you to see what isn't said. Mm -hmm. If if you know what I'm saying, things we should know. Beautifully said, Jason. Yes. Thank you. Dude. Awesome. Now, are you going to be out at any events that people can meet you at a speaking events or anything? Oddly enough, in two days, Morley's giving a speech here in uh, Dallas where I live. And I, so I will be driving 20 minutes away to do and then show up and say hello. And he's, you know, uh, maybe I'll have a couple of room. There'll be a copper explosion. I love it. (laughs) That's right. Well, look, what I'll say this, I'm sensitive to where people are, are at. This is how I've been doing this for, you know, 23 years in broadcast healing and, and more as a, a healer. But um, people aren't often ready to go all in like you've described at the levels. They shouldn't. And, no, they and, shouldn't. And, and the, the t- I want to make this abundantly clear is that uh, copper, like iodine, you have to go into it very slowly and slowly ramp up. It took me, you know, four years to get up to 100 milligrams. People in the forum are doing it within a month. And the dangers that happen are that uh, it's too much to adjust to right away. The body has to take about a month just to start making more of the copper enzymes, like the metallothionines, which actually help to your body to excrete the copper. So you should take about a month at 10 milligrams, a month at 20. Your third month should get to 30. And if you do it too fast, if you detox too much fluoride, the fluoride can clog the kidneys. This happens with people on boron too, because boron detoxes fluoride. It happens with iodine too. You get too much fluoride running through the kidneys all at once, and then you've got kidney pain. Fortunately, there's a fix for that. If you take baking soda and water, it flushes the kidneys out right away within hours, and people are ready to go with the minerals again. There's other little things, too. How how do people plug into your forum for those that want to go further? 
if you just type in the copper revolution at Facebook, copper revolution, healing with minerals, or maybe just the copper revolution, it'll come right up. Okay. There you yeah. go. That's oh, it. Ron's got it. So this is, I love this. And, and you got the L O V E as we've seen in the Ron Paul revolution. Also, that was where right. I saw that. that's exactly from the Ron Paul revolution. So in, when I was preaching silver and gold, I spoke with Ron Paul like years and years ago. And I said, when are you going to run for president? And he said, I, you know, I, I don't think I can win. And I said, you just said, when I asked you why you got, uh, you know, how you've made money uh, by being a libertarian, understanding libertarian economics, you just said you went into politics instead and you gave up your lucrative medical practice. And I said, if you run for president, you'll put yourself on the national stage. You'll teach the, the principles of liberty to so many more people. There's no way you can lose. It's a win-win for you. It accomplishes your goals. And he looked at me funny and he goes, yeah, but... And then he, he, and then I'm like, and plus, so many yeah. of us who've made so much money in silver and gold would be dying to give to your organization. I know that I will give the absolute yeah. maximum, and I will convince all my readers to do the same thing. And so that's exactly what I did. I was the early, very earliest Ron Paul supporter with with money, and in my newsletter saying, "Hey, you know, join this organization. This is going to be big," and uh, the movement was huge. So when you're early, yeah. sometimes amazing things can happen. Well, he sparked, you know, that evolution or revolution, and it's still paying dividends, not to use the economic terms loosely in that sense. And I love it. Many people are indeed awake to some of these economic things that we were completely devoid of knowledge of because of Ron Paul, right? A lot of folks have been, and I've seen many of them are my friends today, still going strong with the principles of liberty that he espoused and still espouses today. uh, And I'm appreciative of that. His those all of those principles of liberty I try to use in the forum. I try not to block people. I try to you know keep uh, all diverse views. Some people just don't know how to play nice in the sandbox, and they, <laughs> yeah, they, they want to go ahead and start lying. And I have to block the lying the liars and the slanderers who 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 don't want to use discussion to try to arrive at truth. Sure. You know, you, like fraud is not a part of you know liberty. It's not a part of free market economics. People right. will do it, but you have to expose and refute fraud. So, you know, my website's called Revealing Fraud. That's what copper does. It reveals the fraud of the medical establishment. In fact, copper is like a solution for or an alternative to all the 50 top drugs that are prescribed in America, except for potassium, which is one of those drugs. (laughs) So 49 out of the top 50. And in fact, all of the things that people die from on the CDC's top 10 list, all of them are copper deficiency. These are not coincidences. They've, They've removed copper from our food supply on purpose. Yeah. Well, my uh, opening discussion at the Red Pill Expo is going to be focusing on this because um, I I can't think of something more important right now to get people thinking about and doing to get the correction started. And no, there's a lot of things that I know to do and you know to do. But if we go to the heart of one of the most key deficiencies that there is, then we can start building in other areas as we can see through, as you said, deception and fraud. Uh, I love that, Jason. You're doing great. You know, it's like in the airplanes. They say, put the mask on yourself first, so then you can put the mask on other people. You've got to put that uh, oxygen mask on so that you can breathe. Copper is like that. If you get strong mentally, you know, everybody in the copper form, they say that the main things are that they get from copper are um, an increased mental clarity, Mm -hmm. uh, far more energy, and much better sleep. Those are the top three. Yeah. Uh, And with that comes healing. You know, I mean, if the body has enough energy to put into healing itself and mm-hmm. detoxifies, tremendous healing testimonies of all sorts of things are coming through on a regular basis. It's very, very exciting to watch. 
Wonderful. Well, I hope everybody gets your book, The Copper Revolution Healing with Minerals. And uh, we'd love to talk to you some more. It just takes the next level. You know, all the things we've been discussing, the importance of it. And uh, I'm glad that you're pals with Morley as am I. Uh, we are engaged for the right reasons. I can tell that you are uh, to really <laughs> genuinely help people. And even in areas of, of oh, then there's plenty of arguments and disagreements to be had about a lot of things. But in a collegial atmosphere, that one that pushes us to do better and dig deeper and learn more. That to me is an exciting prospect, and that's what uh, we're engaged in here. And I can tell you are as well, Jason. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Um, the differences between Morley and me are, are mostly that I take more of quite a few things than he does. Uh, he recommends iodine and boron too, which is I think extraordinary. Um, but he recommends you know more moderate, conservative amounts, and he's older. You know, I'm younger. I'm only fifty-two. Some people think yeah. I'm really old, but it depends on how old you are, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I take about 100 milligrams of copper in various ways, uh, topical, but also up to 100 milligrams of iodine. I've actually taken 2,000 milligrams of iodine daily for a year. I did that experiment, and that went fairly well. I think it probably blocks some copper and probably blocks some uh, calcium, and so we no longer do yeah. that. My wife and I, we take 100 milligrams of copper, 100 milligrams of boron, 100 milligrams of iodine, and up mm -hmm. to 100 milligrams of zinc. And uh, I don't think Morley recommends zinc at all. We've had that discussion. Uh, he says, oh, it's going to take two hours to get through it. And, you know, he's busy. I'm busy. So, you know, we'll get we'll get to some of these things someday. Yeah. Well, and as you might imagine, my bias as a homeopath is is getting the, the most from the least. So utilizing right. smaller quantities efficiently, not to the exclusion of, of results such as yours. I'm not disputing that. It's just a matter of. Uh, getting people to the point where they get that much and they're okay. And they're like, oh, yeah, get more, right? And then find out what that sweet spot is for you. And you're you're putting yourself on the line to do that. And I, I respect that, really. And you're sharing your stories and, and and helping to describe pathways of explanation is, you know, what what about this? And and that to me, again, it's 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 so much fun to talk to you and hear from you about your experiences that, you know, I, I'm digging it. I appreciate you. Well, you know, I only it took more and more very, very slowly. And I had to convince myself at every step and at every step of the way, I noticed uh, more mm -hmm. and beneficial improvements. Like there you go. Pragmatism 30 milligrams of copper after three years, yeah. I still had a little bit of foot pain, but I have flat feet. So that's always going to be the case. <laughs> right. But my foot pain um, lessened significantly when I applied topical copper everywhere on my body. It just mm -hmm. took it all to the next level. Uh, we need copper for collagen formation, for uh, strong bones. Yeah. Um, and as I was writing the book, one more thing happened. And that is we know copper is great for melanin production and tanning. And I was getting a good tan even four years ago when I started some high copper. But I had some, I had some white spots on my upper arm. I don't know if you can really see in the camera. But mm -hmm. uh, one of them began filling in. One of them was the size of a dime. And it began filling in just six months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, by doing topical copper. So when yep. I get all these, and my wife too, mm -hmm. she was I, feeling better, more energetic. And Jason, I, so, I think that the, the deficiencies are so real. I'm not in all disputing what you're saying at all. When I say that, I, I guess it's more or less as you, and you've even said so gradual build up to find out what you need, because gradual. I think we're going to find, we need a lot more than we thought we needed. That's, and that's what you're finding in your own personal experience. And I'm just uh, sensitive to where people are at. I know that there's a lot of fear out there about things, and I think it's misplaced and displaced. But at the same point, we can still, if you're still alive and breathing, you can still move that direction. 
and uh, you'll learn along the way. And again, I appreciate you sharing these stories too, because I've heard some of them as well. I've seen some in my own experience as well. And so I'm gaining comfort and confidence in dealing with this as well as, as time progresses. Sometimes it's not an instant thing. We work, we work with it. We digest it. We chew it. We spit it, you know, all of these things. And we go, Oh, of course. It was like, why didn't I know that? Well, this is the journey. This is the journey we're on. And you have been on quite some journeys uh, learning about, Jason, your backstory and background. And I appreciate all that you have done maybe to stimulate as well, even the Ron Paul revolution to help partly start that too. That's really cool. Partly at the start. Well, you know, uh, some libertarians had to do it. So why not me? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, So there was a question that came in. Did you see that? I put it in there. Uh, from Christy, she says, do you have any tips on how to regain one's sense of smell? We've seen a lot of that associated with COVID. Is that, have you seen any right relationship to copper deficiency supplementing and smell and taste and these sensations coming back? It's usually a uh, zinc deficiency. Um, but I think zinc and copper often work together and, um, my sense of smell has come back. Sometimes it's not always good when it comes back, right. Depending on the smells you're smelling, but, mm-hmm. uh, Copper and zinc, I think, work together to restore our sense of smell, partly because, you know, all of our senses are responsible also for uh, our nerves are responsible for our senses working correctly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so when the nerves are working better, the smell is going to work better. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, anything else you want to wrap up before I got to do a few stories here to wrap up the show today? Uh, Anything we didn't cover that you think is critical or invite people on over to get your book and and see you and consult with you or whatever? I want to talk a l- briefly about the safety of copper, just like in a couple of seconds. And that is, we, there's a study in the book, chapter 10, Olivares. He did a study on uh, 10 to 20 milligrams of copper. He was looking to see if it caused liver damage. Um, and it didn't after about six weeks. And then the study was over. He did it on healthy subjects. Uh, but the government in 1993, when they were determining the upper limit, they said, well, we should probably study higher than the limit so we can determine where some liver damage would start because we really don't know. And in the last 29 years, they never did that follow-up study. Uh, there are tons of studies in animals that they refer to that say that, uh, you know, liver damage is the end result of, of high copper. So therefore, we have to be careful and therefore the limit is 10. Well, what is the liver damage level in animals that they have found? And it's usually around 5,000 milligrams in rats or even 10,000 milligrams in rats, the equivalent of uh, for an adult human. So how is it that if it's toxic at 10,000 milligrams, why are they setting it at 10? That makes very little sense. And what they've actually found is that if you give the rats time to adjust to the 5,000 milligram dose, you can push it all the way to 10 because their bodies adapt and make more metallothionines, which then help to detoxify the copper. And it's only yeah. when you overwhelm the metallothionine detoxification process mm-hmm. that uh, they finally die from these super high doses and then yeah. develop the liver problems. So right. uh, all of their studies really go to show how wonderfully safe copper is the levels that I'm taking because, and the reason why it's safe is because I'm probably excreting almost all of it. Um, and even then, when they notice that the body is excreting all of it, there's two ways you can interpret that. You can interpret that and say, oh, well, the body doesn't want it. So therefore, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at it and go, well, clearly, if the body is easily excreting all of it, then it can't build up and become toxic. Right. So right. it depends on you cannot just force a conclusion on the data. You have to let the data speak for itself. And that's why copper is so good for us, because the body does excrete it easily. And the more copper you take, the more easily it can excrete it along with all the other toxins. That's why it's so wonderful. 
Jason, it's nice that we ended on excretion, and uh, that's a perfect place to end, right? Uh, hopefully, we talk together again or connect at an event someday, and uh, you've definitely added to the great body of knowledge and empowerment here that I love to do about minerals and specifically now copper, Jay. So thanks for all that you're doing. I just, uh, like I said, it was a great, great hour with you. Thank you, Robert. I had, I had a blast. All right. That's Jason Hommel, everybody. Uh, I am at the Red Pill Expo, but we didn't slow down or miss a beat. In fact, your heartbeat might be more regular because you get copper back in your system. So those we didn't get into talking about uh, irregularities in terms of uh, nerve uh, firing of the heart. But uh, we'll, we'll have Jason back on. We can't talk enough about this subject. So thank you, Jason. Check out his book. I hope you get it. Uh, as we're wrapping up here, a few more minutes. There's the Copper Revolution Healing with Minerals. Uh, Super Don, you threw a few articles. We mentioned them briefly with uh, Dr. Michael Uphughes last hour as well. Uh, including microbes frozen in Tibetan ice. Is that portending new pandemics? Again, that's the germ theory. Uh, ignores the terrain, of course. That's And then that relates to all the deficiencies we've just discussed, even with, with, uh, with Jason. Uh, this is the Hollywoodized version of fear porn played out through the news media. Oh, my gosh. Global warming, which apparently is or is not happening, depending on when you ask the question or what the temperature is on that given day. Uh, the ice capsule melt will release microbes, ancient microbes. It's like, well, uh, how long has life been on this planet? If you want to dispute and argue that, that's fine. But the reality is we've all encountered everything and we're a, a product, a result of all of that time, if you will, uh, of life on the planet. The question is, how are we able to coexist and thrive in the midst of a microbi microbiological reality that our lives depend upon the minute? You know, the, the millions and billions and trillions more than we have cells in our body. We have these microbes and yet they're trying to sell us this fear that those are the microbes that are going to kill us eventually. There's going to be another thing coming and they keep planting the, the Marburg and the monkeypox. And and all of this is, again, to play on your fears. If you eliminate that fear. Now, there are many ways to do that. But if you eliminate it, then their their games to try to frighten you no longer work. You can laugh at them. You can point at them and see that they're butt ugly and naked like the emperor that wears no clothes. And therefore, they have no power over you. But the concern, of course, is our relatives, our family, our neighbors that are still operating in fear. What can we do to help them? And I think at a certain point, the only thing we can do besides if you pray or prayer is be that living example for a life le uh, lived without or with far less fear to, to show them that there's nothing really to be afraid of except the deficiencies that lead to the manifestations of not only aberrant metabolic cellular functions, but the opportunistic microorganisms that exist for your benefit. Suddenly now we point at them and call them a supervillain. Well, they're not a villain. They're just doing what they do in the terrain you give them in the absence of certain minerals and the preponderance or abundance or overabundance of certain toxic poisons, whether they be metabolic wastes, or environmental man-made toxins upsetting that balance, causing us to have to use those minerals to the point of depletion. And then we have more aberrant metabolic functions, more vulnerability, more susceptibility. And then we say, oh, Marburg, oh, it's a hemorrhagic disease now. Well, why can't the blood uh, function properly? Well, in the absence of these key minerals, we talked about it. Uh, clotting is, is wrong. Oxygenation can't happen. Again, copper comes back and plays a big role here. Uh, so um, whether they call it Marburg, monkeypox, uh, Ebola, Tibetan ice cream microbes, <laughs> stop being afraid and start recognizing that you have the power 
to maintain good health, to regain good health, and to prevent the destruction of all life by the absence of the minerals that protect us and or the destruction, purposeful or incidental or accidental, of the microbes that give us life as well, that sustain us, not only in the gut, but on the skin, everywhere around us. And then we get into something called the virome, and I don't have time to get into that right now. So uh, if you have a headache because you've learned too much today, please don't reach for Vioxx, despite the fact that apparently there are some physicians or scientists promoting Vioxx, a return to Vioxx for headache. Of course, if the headache's so bad that you'd rather have a heart attack, Go ahead and knock yourself out. I don't recommend it, but uh, ignore history and ignore the science at your own peril, what they've revealed about Vioxx and what it does. And we'll be back in 60 seconds with the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show heading into the Red Pill Expo. I hope you've signed up, gotten tickets either to be with us in person in Indianapolis or via the stream that's happening. And check out the other upcoming events at robertscottbell.com, the, uh, basically a tab that says upcoming events. Shout out to Orange Guard as well. And orangeguard.com, pick up that safe, natural pest reducer that's not going to harm the environment, your kids, your pets, or anything. And it'll make your home smell like oranges. How lovely is that? All right. If you've got questions or comments, we'll check out the chat room. I'm chilling out in the hotel room. Hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly did. Dr. Michael Uphews was great. Jason Hommel was great. Super Don was even, eh. No, he was great, too. Love you guys. Thanks for being here. Back in 60 seconds for those that are listening or watching live. If not, it's a blip and we'll be back. Not like a Thanos blip, a good blip. And we'll be back with the bonus round because the power to heal is yours. Should I uh, do a show from the couch like this? It's like relaxed, casual, have a, a fake martini or something. I don't know. What should I be doing here, Super D? I was just like. Let me tell you that I personally. Now, there's no way we do do this like every day. Okay. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I think it works. Yeah. I I honestly do. I think it works. Uh, I kind of like it. My immense flexibility. not being. There was a comment in the chat room. Let me see if I can find the exact comment here. We're, right. You know, basically, they were saying that it's like you kicking back on the couch. It was like uh, you, people, you're just hanging out with you. And I did. Here we go. It's from Murdoch. Watching okay. uh, RSB on the couch makes me feel like I'm in his home. Dude, um, Murdoch, you're welcome in my home anytime. I'd love to hang out with you. There's something really Murdoch. honestly real about that. Um, it is far more kickback. You are far more kickback. And that's not a bad thing. I should be laid back like this all the time. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you're you're relaxed. You're not you're not yeah. doing a show. You're just kind of like hanging out. You know, I, have I like to it. Say, the stress involved in these remotes is usually very intense, and I and I feel it uh, because I want everything to work well. And there's a lot of technology involved, and I think the technology has gotten easier, and my mm-hmm. remote broadcast kit has gotten simpler even though you know it's still a little complicated but still it's the simplest thing i didn't hook up the external my uh camera which is immediately a a lower stress as well right and i was like dude i'm in this hotel room i didn't expect to be in there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening as they're prepping for the red pill expo and thank god i just have to show show up and triage it as the mc and 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 a lecturer and that's my forte i love doing that i can do that but I, I, I feel for those folks that are going through, you know what, just to get this thing put on. Um, and, and I just come in and, and I'm not taking the glory, not at all. That's not my point. I'm trying to make it flow. I love to, you know, 
find the energetic flow of these things. But at the same time, the information flowing through a, a Red Pill Expo is pretty profound. That's why it's called the Red Pill Expo. And so there's going to be a lot of obstacles because what's taught, what's learned, what's uh, engaged in, what's discussed is like, man, all the things they don't want you to hear about, know about, see all of that. And it's all coming out this weekend. And that's I understand that's a major threat to the establishment. Uh, so I'm just going to let go that which I have no control over. And that's what I did today. And we had a good show. Yeah, I thought it was good. Right. Was that Indeed. Finding Dory? Was it Let Go, Let Go, Let Go? Was that the thing in, in, in uh, Finding Dory? Is that, there was a line like was that. Was it Let Go? I don't Just know. Let Go or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Surrender. Not in a bad way. Yes. So So anyway. Yeah. Good show. Um, so if you don't like headaches, you want a heart attack, there's Vioxx. You know, that's I know you only had a second to, to yeah. say anything about that, but a, a true story. They're actually looking at Vioxx, uh, trying to bring that back for migraine headaches. Wow. And I'm just like, why would you... Why, a miracle, please. You know, okay, now granted, they, the, the the technical name, the medical name for it is like Roxanicolobobo, whatever, or something like that, which, yeah. you know, the, the brand name was, was Vioxx. Correct. I would think, oh, you know, unless they're really stupid, you would think they would try and like rename it or something. Yeah. You know, don't don't call it Vioxx. I mean, come on. That was like one of one of the biggest scandals uh, in pharmaceutical history well, they can was Vioxx. It. It's still going to be a disaster. Call it something else. You know, it's like don't call it Vioxx. Are you a dummy? Who's going to want to take Vioxx for anything at this point? Right. You know, with all the people that died and all the lawsuits and you know, wasn't Vioxx the um, that was the drug that uh, Brandy Vaughn? Yeah was was uh involved with yeah exactly the late brandy vaughn um so yeah anyway migraines i think there are other ways to deal with migraines how about cardio miracle exactly worked for me exactly so anywho uh what do we got michael bolden saying what's true a few years ago he said i only listened while in the shower so there's that too (laughs) (laughs) well that was like why steve feld he remember he would listen or watch the show while he was taking a bath Mm. (laughs) <laughs> How many guys take baths? Do you take baths? Well, Steve Feld does. I don't. He takes a bath. You do like bubble bath and yeah, of course with essential oils, bath bomb candles and yes. Guys don't take baths. Not unless they're taking it with someone. Maybe some do. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, let it go guys. with Frozen. No, that's the song, Lori. I was thinking there was a scene in Finding Dory, and I think it was like hanging onto the tongue of the the whale. Just let go, just let go. Something about that. It, w- it was a message for Marlon. Wasn't Marlon the dad's name in Finding Dory? Because he was holding on to. Dude, to you are time. really into the Finding Dory movie. Was this like a favorite of yours or something? I know. Granted, it, I've watched it several times because of the kids, the grandkids. Yeah. Well, obviously, that age group, we watched it too. So I remember stuff about it. It was just coming okay. through. There was that message of it was sort of like a parental message at a certain point. You've got to let go and let your kids experience life. Right. And, okay. and that was kind of the thematic moment uh, that I remembered. And that as a parent, I guess you got to let it go. Gotcha. At some point. Yeah. All right. Good old Disney. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I like the couch thing. I, I think you ought to do it from time to time. Well, Maybe we could do like some kind of special I, segment where it's kind of like. After hours, RSB after hours or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd have to have a setup like this, and I could now that I I know what this could feel like. Uh, that it's just like a, it's very much a chill 
discussion, conversation, and I love having these conversations. Now, as with anything or anybody, if, if there's somebody talking about something you have no interest in, I, I suppose if somebody's really interested in it, you might be drawn into it. But obviously today, the two guests keenly interested in what they had to say and interacting with them. So it, it was if, very if technical. Talk- now, this type of, of, of uh, format, what you're doing here, would lend itself yeah. to just having just uh, shooting the breeze kind of conversation, you know, just sure. kind of off the cuff type thing, too. Yeah. So anyway, I think I think you're on to something. I think on you're on to something. You're on to something. I'm, you got I'm a, on a maybe you got a future in this thing. I don't know. I think I could do. You're know, gonna handle it. You might be able to do this. Yeah. Dude, Michael Uphuse was cool. I like him. Uh, and we're meeting some good people. Good people trying to come out of their their uh, limited viewpoint of the world, do their training and programming. That's a good yep. thing. That, that's indication of good things that are happening. So let's see. Finding Nemo was it? Oh, it's not Finding Dory. It's Finding Nemo. Do you remember that? Was it Finding Nemo? Finding, that- yes, you're right, actually, I think. So I, Dory was the character in Dory Finding Dory was Nemo. the one that we, in the second one, Yeah. that was trying to find her parents. Oh. I don't finding know I- Nemo was when they were trying to find their son. I right, think it was. so it was yeah. Finding Nemo. That was what I couldn't remember. It was, I remember the Dory the fish character, but thank Dory, you. Dory the one, she was, it was voiced by Ellen uh, DeGeneres. DeGeneres, right. Yes. Finding Nemo. Yeah, there you go. That was the Sorry first about one. that, guys. That Dory was the sequel. Title. Anyway. Okay, so let's have some fun at my expense for a moment. I know you wanted to do this earlier. Yes, thank you. So we'll just get it out of the way. Okay. Uh, today's poll of the day. Yes. It's uh, I try to make it a thing on Fridays where it's just not a serious you know, thing, just kind of just a random question. Um, you know, nothing, nothing too heavy. So today's question of the day was... How comfortable or uncomfortable would you feel as a passenger in a self-driving car? <laughs> I don't know about you, Robert, but I yeah. would have to say, nah, I'm not. I'm not too interested. I'm, in I'm in the very uncomfortable to heck no. I'm probably okay. more heck no. I, honestly, I'm like, no, sorry, uh, uh-uh. I do not rely on that technology that has, yeah. Oh, we have numerous fail safes, but no, sorry, yeah. I would rather have some. <laughs> semblance of control over the vehicle i am you know engaged yeah. in. no eventually i think people will probably get there uh but i think it's too early for that so the options you had to answer here and 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 see if you can pick out the one of these things is not like the other here mm-hmm. uh you had the option of uh, very comfortable <laughs> with self-driving <laughs> somewhat comfortable somewhat yeah. uncomfortable yeah and then there's this this weird thing in here it says kids up to no kids good <laughs> Yeah, that was from uh, yesterday. And that was from yesterday. So in my rush to, because uh, I was kind of running behind this morning. Yeah. And so I'm putting the newsletter together. I accidentally left one of the answers in there from yesterday's poll. Oh, yesterday's poll. I got funny. a phone call from, from somebody who left a message and said to, yeah. to, you know, kind of called me out on that and made fun of me. Um, so please That's just hilarious. disregard that. I think, well, yeah. I'll show you. Uh, just And just to finish here, very uncomfortable or heck no. Yeah. What are the results? Uh, the results. We actually had one person vote kids up to no good. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't Probably know. Kevin whatever. Cuddle, yeah. Right? Maybe it was the person that called me. So but, yeah, um, the the bot, the the heck no and very uncomfortable were the top. Uh, the again, top I ones, and I think that's normal because it's new. Artist. Now look, the, the whole idea of a self driving car that's like totally like like the Jetsons type thing. Sorry, <sighs> I'm not going with it because it's new. I'm because it, it's because it's wrong. 
Well, and you know, I got another phone call from someone, and I apologize. Just in my rush today, I I just I was behind. I didn't get a chance to pull these these audio, but I do want to honor the the phone calls. We did have a caller call in that said that this is this is wrong, and this is a problem. This is just people, you know, just not you know being lazy, and and uh, this is a big problem that we have today. And you know, if you look at the advancement of technology and things over the years, it seems like there's that's where people focus, right? Making things more convenient, yeah. making it less, you know, take a look at something simple. Like, you know, it used to be that when we were kids and we were watching TV, mm-hmm. you actually had to get up and walk over to the television and change the channel and then go back and sit down. Well, and we, we got came up at with, a certain point the, the Fred Flintstone clickers that actually made a Click, a click, 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 but click. that was the beginning of it. Yeah. You know, I mean, they, they actually began. They anymore. they began. The first ones were wired. Yeah, you know, uh, and so everything in technology, when they call advancement, is all geared towards making things more convenient, so you have to do less and accomplish more. Yeah, uh, you know, you take a look at something like you know now we've got Alexa, right? Everybody's got yeah. Alexa or these smart speakers. You don't even have to like get up. And go look at an encyclopedia. You don't have to read. You don't have to do. I don't that. You think just that's say, a good thing, though. Ultimately, well, it's it's not. Have you ever seen there was a movie? Uh, now the, the the title of it's going to escape me, but it's about this little robot, um, and society has turned into these giant blobs of fat people that don't ever do anything, and everything's done for them automated. And there's this little robot. Yeah, that was. You, remember, you know what I'm talking about. No, it wasn't Finding Dory either. But in um, any case, yeah, I mean, it, I it makes you wonder. I remember that movie. It was an outer space movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie, actually. But um, it was, in any case, yeah. it seems like that's where things are going, you know, at this point where, you know. You, no, we, just... we don't survive to that point. Sorry. So uh, You don't think so? No, no, there's no way. Um, we are on the verge of, of a collapse based on the way we live, you know. No. And, and on top of that, the added uh, acceleration through injection, if you will. But Super Don, you got to move your tush. You got to move. By your the tush. way, this is not Gatorade that I'm drinking. It's Cardio Miracle. It's a bottle. That's it. It's just a yes, a means to an end here. But it's purely Cardio Miracle, I know. And Cardio it Miracle is. will be here. So if you come to Indianapolis tomorrow or the next day for the Red Pill Expo, we're going to have Cardio Miracle shots. We're going to have copper shots. We're going to have silver shots, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time together. Sounds good. So are you going to post the, the poll results in the show notes each day now? That was the third phone call that I got today. And, you know, listen, um, we just figure this out as we go, right? We're not, we're not like, uh, you we're know. Not, we're not uh, evil overlords planning We don't know. You know, we, we just we just kind of figure things out and do our show. Yeah. And then we have bright ideas. And we've realized that they're not as bright as we thought they were. Mm-hmm. Or we're not the geniuses that we thought we were. <laughs> um and so when we start i started doing the newsletter yeah you know if you, you we do the poll day and then we bring it up on the show and we talk about it on the show and then we move on i got a phone call from someone today and yeah. they're like you know we go we we put in the effort to answer in these polls it would be nice if you would you know you'd show us what the results are and my first reaction was to be a jerk you know, if he's like, well, watch the dang show, you know, it's yeah. like we're a radio show, you know, or right. like, you know, or a video, video show. show, we're on the internet, you want to know what, it... and then I stopped and I was kind of like, wait a minute, 
there must be people that are subscribing to the newsletter that don't watch the show. What's now, up you with could, that? You could, you could be like, well, screw you. I'm, I'm deleting you off the list. You can't be on the list. You can't get the... But then I was kind of like, you know, that's maybe not such a bad thing, you know? And yeah. so I'm going to start... Po- I will start posting now the, uh, the results. I guess in the following day, I'll post the previous day's results and then have the new poll of the day. So... Okay. Um, I'm going to guess that the person that, that called in about that probably isn't going to hear what I'm saying right now, so they're not going to know that until they see but it. How do they, is the toll-free number listed in the email? It is. Yeah. At, the, yeah, at the bottom of the poll, I just say, hey, if you want to comment on the poll, you know, right. call in to the number. Cool. So, All right. Anyway. We'll learn. We learn as we go. It's true. So yeah. what are your weekend plans uh, with the new baby, that Autumn? I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Right. I'm sure I will end up seeing her at some point this weekend. I'm sure you're not party central and, and having to change diapers again, are you? Mom and baby and dad probably are wanting to just be at home and relax and sure. and get you know get everybody situated mm-hmm. to the new experience there with the baby, which is exciting. Yeah. But she's got all the stuff that she needs, and she's got the. Very good. You know the the crib and the bedside bed and the diaper genie and the mm-hmm. you know the, all the fancy stuff. So yeah, I'll I'll probably give her a call and see how things are going. All right. Well, shout out to everybody in the chat room that's live with us. Hi, Lori. Hey, mom. How's it going, mom? Love you, Leslie. She's a heck no. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lori. Who else? Stevens there. This is my romper room moment. I love it. Michael Bolden. Love you, Mike. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Copper tie. So, so did you, oh, Steven put some videos, I guess that, uh, our guest Jason did in the chat room too. Cool. Murdoch's there. Christie's there. Joanne. Uh, trying to scroll back up to see who all is commenting today. Nice to see everybody. Well, I wish you were here with me in Indianapolis. If not stream the red pill expo and then check out all the other upcoming events we got, uh, including next week, defending Utah is hosting an event Friday evening. And that's one of the upcoming events. I'd love to see you at if you're in the Utah vicinity uh, at that event as well. And I'm going to speak to the Sisters of Liberty, although I don't know when and where. I think that's coming up. And I don't even know if that's open to the public on Wednesday. That's coming up too. Oh, Leslie's sitting at the laundromat. So you don't have your own uh, machines yet, I take it. You have to go out because you've just got that new property. I still want to hear more about how this new property evolved i'm so grateful and glad that leslie is and family are going to have a home now forever home so as close to that as we can get as well it's been a long time coming i think mm-hmm. um all right so let's talk about this weekend on sunday yeah uh, we will be um talking with tor mcpartland who is the yes. founder of orange guard that is correct and talking about Orange Guard and how it works and why it works and different ways that you can use it and kind of his backstory on why uh, why he chose to come up with something that is a natural pesticide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's a really good story. Looking, looking forward to that. Now, um, uh, let's talk about Monday. Yeah. Monday is going to be an encore, correct? Not my plan. I plan to interview people so we oh, can is have it? a oh, okay. show. All right, gotcha. I, I would like to be able to put together both hours of the show by recording. Now, my challenge is so it'll be pre-recorded. Okay. Yeah, my challenge is Got on it. that super D is that 
I have short windows between speakers. And I, I remember this from a couple of years ago when I emceed the, uh, the, the, the red pill. Mm-hmm. Like I was being interviewed, I think, by Alan Keyes at one point, And then there was a panic knock on the door where I was being interviewed. Robert, Robert, you got to get up there on stage. The, the speaker ended early. I'm like, oh. so I don't have a lot of free time to do a full one hour recording. I have to do bursts to add into it. So it, it, it asks of you the ability to paste or glue segments together to make the show. And I know with the second hour of Monday show, we have a one minute open two and a half minute break right because it's on brighteon.tv so i need to know those again those sequences lengths so i can plan and you're that. wanting to re- you're wanting to record both hours preferably yeah because i'll have access to so many awesome people okay. that i don't every day it would be amazing if we could do it um so okay. it'll be a little TV, tricky I but I, i'm sure we can pull it off okay i know i'm so, ambitious and and, and sometimes will, uh... you win and you you make me <laughs> chill out so that's okay. as I'm just speaking it out to what I'd like to do. We'll see what actually happens in the midst of the chaos of a live event. And we'll stay in touch on that. Sounds good. But hopefully everything works as beautifully and smoothly as this did, but I won't be on a couch chilling <laughs> when I do Monday pre-record. <laughs> don't get too relaxed. People don't want to watch you sleep. take a nap now. <laughs> actually, yeah. I think Joni's in town, so maybe I can break the fast with Joni, find a good organic place to eat and, uh, Break the fast because, you know, that's what I was wanting to, to bust you on when it when before we started the show today, mm-hmm. you were describing a most delicious meal that your wife made. And I was like, you were describing it in detail. And I'm like, oh, really? This is the it, day I'm fasting. It is. It is it my. So yeah, it's it's one of my top. It was so favorites, mean what you were doing to me. Yeah. She How makes a great almost chicken uh, meal that is amazing. So. Whenever, whenever it's time to cook it, I, I convince her to do like a triple batch. So there's lots of leftovers mm-hmm. and I do nothing but eat that for like the next three days. Oh my gosh. It's good stuff. Yeah. I can't imagine it. It's anything but awesome. It is. So better. anyway. Yeah. Happy Friday. Yay. Thanks for tuning in guys. We made it. Um, we'll be Thanks back on Sunday with Tor McPartland and Monday with... A bunch of surprise guests that are going to be there at the Red Pill Expo. Yeah. And um, until then, have a have a great weekend. I know the weather is going to be like outstanding here, and hopefully it is. Yeah, it's clearing up. It's been raining all day, but tomorrow and Sunday should be good. But we'll be indoors. And um, I was just thinking one other one other thought here about now. It's fleeting. These thoughts coming through and gone. Um, Pat, hi, Pat. Not always chatting, but she's always listening. Yeah, I appreciate you, Pat. Yay, Bolden. Have a great week. I wish to hang out with you, Michael, my brother, my buddy. Uh, all right, I can't think of what I wanted to share, so we'll just roll with whatever. Okay. How about we roll with some jazz as we end of the week here? Let's see. Yeah, let's end on some jazzy notes, shall we? All right. Have a good day, guys. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, y'all.